0: Introducing two men who have taken to the phone lines themselves in order to begin facilitating trade discussions on behalf of the Orioles, as they insist, quote, there should be 29 teams in baseball jumping at the chance to acquire Matt Harvey now that he's lowered his ERA below the 7.2 mark, unquote. In response to critics of the plot line of Space Jam 2, they have enlisted the help of some of the country's greatest filmmakers to not only defend the honor of esteemed actors LeBron James and Bugs Bunny, but to put to rest once and for all all the notions that Martin Scorsese would have been able to improve the film. They are not Glenn Clark. Uh, good morning, uh, Glenn Clark Radio, as I like to call it, Glenn Clarkless Radio, as uh, Kyle Otenheimer and... Stand the fan, Charles. Are uh, sitting here in the press box studios, Chesapeake it, Employers Insurance studios. What are you trying to reach? from i happy. I to was help fixing. You. No, we were actually. I fixed it. Actually, luckily, you fixed. It? There was an issue. We have a finicky little wiring system okay. for our headphones in the studio, and the slightest adjustment can make it either awful or fixed. And my adjustment made it fixed, which That's is a good fantastic. thing. It is a beautiful thing. Uh, As I mentioned, we are here at PressBox. Dan the Fan Charles, the chief grand poobah of PressBox, sits across from me. Always a pleasure to be looking at his beautiful face. Sir, how are you?
1: I'm fine. So if I reached over there and flick it, I I could break it. You could
0: ruin everything. You could absolutely ruin everything. Uh, Today's show, we have a fun show ahead. Uh, We are going to talk and do our little bit retrospective, perhaps the last of the retrospective as far as the analysts of the draft are concerned, as MLB Pipeline senior Writer Jim Callis, you saw his face if you were watching the MLB Network coverage of the draft. One of the uh, most prominent draft analysts in the sport. Uh, Joins us to break down what it is the Orioles did through uh, the 20 rounds in the 2021 draft. He's
1: the one that, after the first round, though, said that the Orioles uh, got you know they they went under slot sure. there and but, they did, but they didn't give up quality.
0: No, no. I mean, Cowser. I mean, the Orioles have proven they like college bats. Cowser yeah. signed on Sunday for I believe four point nine million thereabout. The right. slot value was about six point two or one. something like that. Six point one. So there was a savings of the pick. We'll see how they spread all of their draft pool money out across the rest of their draftees. And uh, Jim Cowles will give us a better idea as to perhaps the names who would be demanding more than their slot value. We'll look forward to catching up with him Uh, at 1040. One of those players who we presume will be getting more than the slot value. Third round pick, Southern Mississippi outfielder or athlete, the Orioles have indicated that they might be using him in the infield, Reed Trimble joins the show. A very interesting guy and not a lot of background information on Reed Trimble out there on the interwebs. Switch hitter, though. He is a switch hitter, a guy with a lot of tools, I mean, potential 2020-type guy in the future. Switch hitter, as you mentioned, gap-to-gap power. Uh, the Orioles might be trying him at shortstop, second base, third base. Remains to be seen exactly, but an interesting one of the more interesting, I think, prospects in this Orioles draft. We have a chance to chat with him at 10.40. And then at 11.20, with a training camp around the corner, we will be joined by PressBox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka as he will discuss, well, everything and exactly what is Raising his antennas as the Ravens get set to take the field, still have not really heard much in the way of veteran pass rushers, and a lot of people think those guys won't be signing before training camp, because if you're a veteran, why exactly would you be jumping at the chance at training camp? But still, I think that the edge rush discussion for the Ravens probably is still the most, uh, I would say... Questionable. We still don't exactly know how that will all shake out, but we'll talk to Bo about not only that, but you're, the rest. You're
1: up to, the, up to speed on that much more than I am during the offseason. So sure. In the draft, we got Adafe Adafi got one, Owe right. was the
0: number 31 overall pick, the Penn State edge rusher, who okay. a lot of people are quick to point out had a grand total of zero sacks last season. That's always a good number. Well, number. yeah, but it's more complicated than that. People yeah. will say he was double teamed a lot and that he was getting real close to the quarterback quite a bit, so the pressures were a lot higher than the sack numbers ended up being. Um, and not only that, he's a guy that, I mean, there was a lot of rave reviews about his edge-setting ability, and also he impressed in his ability to drop back into coverage. So for the Ravens and what we know of them using three-down linebackers as opposed to pass-rush specialists, it could be a,
1: So they acquire Owe in the draft, but they lost Ngakwe and, and Judon. And Judon, and then, yeah. Judon's a did Patriot they lose and Gokwe. one other guy?
0: Uh, They brought back Tyus Bowser. Bowser is the guy that
1: that they have high hopes. Impressed last year, of course.
0: Uh, And speaking of Tyus Bowser, uh, this Sunday, July 25th, celebrate the return to Ravens training camp with a crab feast featuring Baltimore edge rusher Tyus Bowser at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Your $108 VIP ticket gets you the crab feast with Steen crabs, a buffet of Jimmy's seafood favorites, an open bar, and your VIP meet-and-greet and greet, an autograph opportunity with Tyus Bowser. The event benefits Casey Cares and cannot be missed. So get your tickets now by going to great8smemorabilia.com. That's the number 8, great dot com. Stan, it's been a little while since you've sat across from me in this studio. What is uh, what's what's of most interest to you in this? Sp- I know you're a baseball guy through and through, but let's not you know, kid ourselves. The Orioles on a day to day basis aren't the most exciting team in the sport. I mean, I know you're also addicted to fantasy baseball, so I'm sure you've got your eyes on all 29 other teams as well. But what exactly has been your driving force in the sports world of late?
1: Uh, that's a darn good question. Um, I'm I'm excited about this BMW Championship coming to town. Yeah, that's I mean a, August 29th. That is huge. Uh, John Rahm will be here. Of course, the guy that had to be back out yep. of that tournament about a month ago. Because he came down with a positive COVID test. Sure. Um, this Colin Mirakawa, I'm Impressed, guessing, will yeah. be there. I mean,
0: he's one of the top 70 golfers in yeah. the world, I would think. And by yeah. the way, for those unaware, the BMW Championship August 26th through 29th at Caves Cave Valley, Valley, where yeah. the top 70 golfers will be coming to Baltimore to compete in said tournament. Uh, you can secure your tickets at BMW Championship. Com.
1: So Jordan Spieth would be in that tournament. I'll, I mean, it's uh, yeah I mean, it, it's top, top 70 Top 70 players. golfers.
0: It's really up to them if they decide not to play ultimately. Right. But you figure to see the best of the best right. taking the course. I don't know if Tiger will make it. He's still recovering, and, of course. Nah, he's but, uh, not going yeah. to be there. No, I, but, d- we uh, don't
1: know if Phil Mickelson will be there. I mean, it's uh, it figures to
0: be f- truly uh, the top guys yep. in the sport. So it's yep. definitely exciting. And it's something that, I mean, we've talked to people who think that, that Caves course I mean, should this tournament go the way it's expecting to go, could be potentially in play for some majors in the future. Yeah. Um, so definitely a uh, positive for the area for sports and for golf in general. Yeah. But
1: I'm am watching obviously I'm anticipating an interesting Ravens training camp course. and a season ahead. Uh, the Orioles look watching a, a rebuild is about as exciting as watching paint dry. Sure. You know,
0: but. Maybe more frustrating.
1: There there are little glimmers of light, you know, when I go see a Gunnar Henderson, when I go see a Grayson Rodriguez, who yesterday uh, against Erie – uh, struck out 12 batters yeah. in five innings. Yep. Because the way I think five innings is, times three yep. is 15 outs. Yep. So you struck out 12 out of the 15. 80% outs. of the outs are That's strikeouts. Pretty darn Certainly good. Certainly not bad. Pretty darn good. And right? I
0: know Spencer Torkelson was on the other side who plays for Erie and one, another one of the top prospects in the sport, number one pick the year after Adley Rutschman.
1: I'd say there's a good chance that he was struck out by Mr. He was. Rodriguez. He yeah.
0: was. I saw it. He a nice little sharp slider, 84 yeah. miles per hour in the zone, got him down, and look, Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, Adley Rutschman, Gunner, Hent, like that's where the hope lies, right? I mean, look, we were and have been thrilled I mean, to it see Cedric lie Mullins. in
1: watching Matt Harvey get his ERA hey, under the 7.2 six, mark.
0: Look, six shutout innings, happy for Matt Harvey, wish he could probably have put together a more successful uh, May through uh, June to maybe make them have any chance whatsoever of trying to trade him, but I believe that ship has long sailed. No, I think I think I funny. saw some tweets being like, "Oh, the oars and Michael I. Should be picking up the phone and calling. Like, good luck you know, trying to know, get anything I, for Matt I, Harvey."
1: I asked Brandon Harvey, uh, Brandon Hyde <laughs> yesterday. I said, "I said I know what you're trying to accomplish this year, and it's all about how you get through yeah. and navigate these innings." I said, "But Matt Harvey." I said, have you seen enough, you've been working with him since March, have you seen enough of him that you're willing to say that he, he's a fit here for next year, you know, and he wouldn't come. He wouldn't, I, he I deferred, saw that on Madison. He, he said, deferred to That's Elias. a Michael Elias okay. sort of question probably. It's, it's a big question. I mean, look. So that means the guy's been – basically horse crap you know if
0: if if Matt Harvey has been given a rotation spot for 2022 we have some real problems here in Baltimore I would think and hope that and I know you were very big on the idea that maybe they would take a look at a Colin McHugh last offseason and McHugh has been tremendous this year there's no doubt had he been in the Orioles uniform he would be a prime trade candidate um but this would also
1: be a prime keeping candidate no doubt look it's
0: interesting i mean but it begs the question about the timeline as we've discussed so much here if McHugh at age 30 or so would be worth giving money to and keeping around i would have to think had they signed McHugh, he would have been the first guy they'd be looking to trade at the deadline right now um as it stands we've talked about it a lot for the past couple of weeks due to the john means injury and him only just now nearing a return to the big league level, it's hard to think they would get a offer that would warrant them trading Means. Um, no.
1: I, I, I'm right. in agreement with you. Right. The Mancini but, but thing. But the flip side of Means is now this is three straight years that he's had something similar to this. And when you talk about, and we certainly early in the season – We wanted to throw around that term, or the ace of the staff is John Means. Well, he is. I've never met an ace that pitches so little.
0: To be fair, though, he is, right? Like, by nature of the staff itself, sure, he might not be on a better team, but he, when he's healthy, definitely pitches better than, I would say, probably any starter we've seen.
1: But the term ace wrapped up in that term is the fact that he's out
0: there every fifth day. I hear you. You know who's out there every fifth day? Matt, Matt Harvey. Harvey. Yep. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't miss a start this year, but Except you just wish maybe they had gone that he a little got better. With the to be player. fair, it, maybe it helped. Yeah. And I know Brandon Hyde kept mentioning that he's been dealing with some lingering injuries and all Well, maybe you should have sat him down let him recover and tried to get his uh, stats a little better. But, hey, moot point. Chances are they weren't going to get anything substantial for Matt Harvey in any case. Uh, the I best would best say... thing you can get
1: for Matt Harvey <laughs> or from Matt Harvey is about 60 more innings. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where they are. they got to get through the season, and somebody's got to eat some innings, and Harvey, despite the fact that he maybe averages three per start, uh, will be a guy that will probably continue to take the ball for the Orioles, especially if he pitches the way he did yesterday. The,
1: the problem is, now, this kid Bradish, who yeah. I'm interested By the way, tonight, uh, Ross Grimsley and I at 6 o'clock on Facebook Live and then on the website, PressBoxOnline.com, uh, you'll be able to see it tomorrow morning. We're going to interview Gary Kendall, the manager sure. at Norfolk. That's been the one of the disappointing things in, in the organization this year, that Aiken, Kramer, no doubt. who you had some hope would establish themselves no doubt. this year, have done very little at establishing themselves other than as suspects. No, now, I would say they are prospects. more
0: more on the outside looking in than you would have any sort of hope ascribed to them.
1: But, but the really frustrating thing is two guys that you thought would be really about ready is this um, Michael Bowman. Yeah, Bowman. Bowman. Uh, I thought he would have the opportunity to have established himself, but an injury set him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe he's still at double A, a right? That's been, he's... He's been at Double-A. I think he's up at Triple-A. Okay. And now the name that's popping up is Kyle Bradish, one of the guys the we got Bundy in the trade, Bundy yeah. trade.
0: And, of and, course, the Stan the Fan show with Ross Grimsley on Monday nights. And then, of course, Gary Stein and Stan on Wednesday nights. I know you'll have Terry Hasseltine from Maryland Sports on Wednesday. Those are always live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and available the next day at PressBoxOnline.com. And they are brought to you. By C3 American Exteriors. You can find them at c3america.com. Yeah, um, look, the Machado trade is a disaster. Um, but it was a disaster all along when it took as long as it did to yeah, be executed. I mean, you knew in, what you were getting in fa- into. In
1: fairness, it's not Dan Duquette's fault. No. It's the fault of the previous owner, sure. uh, John, uh, Peter Angelos. Yeah, unwillingness uh,
0: unwilling to, to, to give accept reality. To, yeah, yes, exactly. And so Machado, with only half a year of team control left, they managed to get four or five guys in return that you never know when you get them right there was a chance using the El Diaz would be a player there was a chance dean kramer he looked like he was going to be a player for and a there little was while a chance
1: that zach pop would indeed have been a player
0: and ironically i think it was a uh, the brave bravich is the one of the five that's playing best it's just not in the oriole system right. um yeah no it's looking like a net zero and that sucks it set the rebuild back extensively and You know, There's always going to be a discussion about what if. If you had done it sooner, what could you have gotten in return? Because you see guys like Dustin May and Gavin Lux at the major league level for the Dodgers, and could you have pried one of them away? Gavin Lux not having a tremendous season in 2021, but the talent's still there. Um, Yeah, there's, there's reason to be upset about how that all went down, but separate that from Mike Elias and company. It was not his doing at all. He works with what he has, and you know, so and far of course, I would say the Zach
1: Britton trade. We ended up with Dylan Tate, who looks like he's finally sort of yeah. establishing himself as a leverage guy no in this uh, on this team. But
0: not exactly the return you could have gotten for Britain had you traded him when he was dominant in the year prior, right? There was a lot of late action in that 2018 timeline for the Orioles that just kind of. You know, left the the team and system a little bit more barren than maybe it could have been otherwise. But here we are now, and there's been reason for optimism, I would say, with the group that Elias has done and the people they've brought in, and we've seen some progress from prospects already. Uh, So there's encouraging signs, although it's understandable for Orioles fans to be a little bit, you know, uh, perturbed, even though they probably should have expected it would take a little while. Look, it's. A long process. Glenn liked to say that even five years would probably be the soonest that he would have said that the rebuild would have come to fruition.
1: Yeah, and, and the pandemic added no a year to that. No doubt. So it's five- or six-year uh, pro- process. You know, the one thing that, that Oriole fans can do is, and they're not a paid sponsor, but the Aberdeen Ironbirds are just up the road and the Bowie Baysocks are just up the road. You know, no doubt. Uh, different roads. Yes. But, uh, if you want to get excited a little bit about the future of the Baltimore Orioles, I'm not saying don't go to Oriole games, but I'm saying make a make make July and August your month to see two, three, four minor league ball games in the area and get get a glimpse of a DL Hall when he comes off the IL, a Grayson Rodriguez, Bradish. Well, Bradish is at uh, Triple Sure. Right? But uh, I mean, Adley Blaine, Knight,
0: Blaine Knight's having some success yeah. in Bowie. I know we had a rough start his last time out. But, you know, there's certainly a lot of guys, not only in the pitching staff, but on the field who are, you know, very much reason and cause for optimism as far yeah. as the Orioles' future is concerned. You have a chance to see the Orioles' future, um, and it's it's exciting. you got to be able to – don't put the carriage in front of the horse, right? This is a long process. The Major League Club has a handful of guys that I could say you could – Argue could be around for all of this, right? And you mentioned Dylan Tate. He's pitching well. I don't – it still remains to be seen exactly what route they'll go at the trade deadline because ultimately it's probably the relief arms like Tate and and um, Scott, Scott, and, Scott Fry. and Fry, right, Fry, who yeah. are potentially
1: I, – I don't think the team, unless they get blown away with the offer, I don't think they'll trade Tanner Scott. We've I heard think, that. I think Brandon Hyde really, really – thinks a lot of his stuff and and would you you be selling
0: low right would you be he could he could put together a longer stretch of success that might warrant real compensation at the trade deadline next year relievers being such a crapshoot as it is those are the kind of guys that even if you only have half a year of service time left teams will pay for their current production um and we've always seen the potential with Tanner Scott. And Dylan Tate, I think, is showing his potential as well. He's got an electric arm. But the inconsistency for both of them is the reason why they have not staked claim to that sort of sure-fire future the way that maybe you would have hoped. But there's still time.
1: You, you we're bringing up uh, an interesting area, the bullpen, because it, for a variety of reasons, Kyle, uh, the Orioles have not actually developed or, or have anybody that you can have total no. confidence in at the end of the ball games, And Brandon Hyde has sort of fluked in, I will say, to really wanting to look at Tyler Wells as sure. that guy, and there's no reason not to. And I'll tell you what, does, the, does having a, a lockdown closer – Guarantee the Orioles are suddenly going to be a 500 team? No. Mm-mm. But there are four or five games during the year that the Orioles will lose right now that if you had a lockdown closer, you're going to win those games, and, and maybe the losing streak never gets to 13. Yep. Maybe it's a four-game losing streak. You win one, you lose three more, then win two. You know, uh, And I think Tyler Wells has a chance. He seems to have the demeanor and the stuff. And one of the most important things he possesses, and Brandon Hyde likes to bring it up every time you talk to him about Wells, he throws
0: strikes. Yeah. Look, all we can do is kind of try and check boxes along this rebuild and say maybe they found a piece here, maybe they found a piece there. I think we're feeling very good about Cedric Mullins. Mountcastle has shown enough at the plate to determine that I think we expect him to still be a part of all this. And as you mentioned, some of these bullpen arms have the opportunity to stake claim to a part of this. So it, it remains to be seen. It's going to be interesting. I think next year when we see some of the top names reach the major league level, we expect Rutschman will will find his way to the big league roster in 2022, as he should, right? He's and on a contending team. He would probably be up already, but... There's, uh... You know, I,
1: in, I interviewed Phil R- Phil Rye, uh, who's the assistant general manager of the Bowie Bay Sox, and I interviewed him about three weeks ago, and he brought up a very interesting point about uh, Rutschman. Uh, if you tried to streamline or, or fast-track him to the big leagues this year and baseball starts with a strike and he's on the 40-man roster, he wouldn't be allowed to play minor league he baseball. And I think that's a very uh, important point uh, that needs to be brought up with Rutschman. So I think the game plan for Rutschman, I do think he'll end up at AAA this season in about another three weeks or so. I think he'll end up at AAA, but I think... uh, We have our guest on the line. We do
0: indeed. Uh, One of our favorites, uh, you see his work at MLB Pipeline. He's a senior writer there, and you also saw his face on MLB Network's draft coverage for the first round this Sunday before last. I don't know the days get away from me. He is Jim Callis, and he joins us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Jim, it's Kyle and Stan the Fan here in Baltimore. Thank you so much for taking some time for us this morning, sir.
1: Well, yeah, glad to be here. How are you guys doing? Hey, Jim, can I jump in and ask my question, which is not an Orioles-specific question. When when they announced the, the order of this year's draft last year, I, they, they, it was said at the time, I remember, that the commissioner reserved the right to alter the order of the draft if he saw some impropriety or something wrong with it. Do you think it's fair in this day and age that the Red Sox, uh, who routinely spend over $200 million a year uh, trying to put a winning team on the field, that they ended up picking in front of some rather poor teams?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think one, I think his comment, honestly, was not so much about impropriety. Which, which he does have the right to do. You know, they've taken away draft picks for. You know, the Astros haven't had picks in the last the first two rounds of the last two years because sign stealing. But it was more. He reserved that. That was at the beginning, I think, when they were negotiating stuff. for The pandemic, right? That he reserved the right to uh, do something other than just base the draft order based on record, depending on how the season played out. And the way they, the way they looked at it was when they rescheduled the season for 60 games, they played the full schedule. And, you know, because they played the full schedule, his decree was that the draft, like it always is, would be based on the schedule. And, and, yeah, I mean, look, was last year a goofy year? Yes. Did the Red Sox have the fourth worst record in baseball? Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah. And so they should get the fourth pick. I, I don't see anything wrong with that.
1: How, how's the player they got? How good is Marcelo Mayer?
2: I think he's the best player in the draft. Okay. I mean, you know, it kind of worked out for them that the three teams <laughs> ahead of him had different guys they wanted. And, I mean, he was ranked number one on our list. I think he's the best hitter in the draft. I think he's the best defender in the draft. I think he's got potential 25 home run power. Um, that, that worked out pretty well yeah, for Boston. Sure did.
0: Well, let's hope he fails as a prospect here in Baltimore as Orioles fans. But, Jim, uh, I want to talk about the guys the Orioles selected. Sure. Obviously, Colton Kowser in the first round, not exactly a surprise based on what we've seen of Michael Elias and company favoring college bats and maybe looking to go a little bit under slot. Uh, do you think that it was – I mean, how low of a floor do you really think Kowser has for the Orioles?
2: Well, I think he's got a high ceiling too. I, I, I think – you know, he had one. I think he was one of the best college hitters in the draft. In a draft that was laid on college hitters, to be honest with you, there just weren't very many good good ones. And you know, coming into the year, I think the questions people had about Cowser, and you know, you didn't have a Cape Cod League or anything to watch him last year to maybe answer some of those. were how much power is he going to have, and how how quick is he really? And he answered the power. He hit 16 homers. He led the Southland Conference in home runs. He ran better. He was a consistent plus runner. He always had good instincts in center, so I think he's a definite center fielder. Um, so I think he's got a very high floor. I mean, I, I think this guy will definitely hit and, you know, I mean, I, I think you could have a guy who hits for average and, and hits 20 homers a year and, and plays a good center field. So, um, you know, uh, you know, yes, they they look, they, they cut a deal. You know, he signed for you know, about $1.3 million mm-hmm. under slot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they wanted to get an advanced college player, but also save some money to spend on later guys. And, um, you know, I know Orioles fans are a little bit, uh, I don't know if skeptical is the right word, but like. Concerned when that happens, you know, after last year with Kerstad, and, and Kerstad got sick, which, which nobody could foresee coming, but, but Kalzer's a good player. Like, like He's a legitimate player. Hmm. You know, he, he might have gone top ten. You know, he definitely would have gone the upper half of the first round if he didn't go five.
1: Jim, who's your comp on him? Who does he remind you of?
2: Um, he's gotten comps to guys like, 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 I guess Brandon Nimmo might be the best comp. Okay. Um, I think he might have a little bit more power than that.
0: So then, obviously, you you mentioned there being somewhat of a dearth, maybe, of college hitters in this year's draft. And we saw Elias and company really prioritize the college bats at the early portions of the draft. Can you talk a little bit about the guys like Connor Norby, Reed Trimble, Rhodes out of Kentucky? and, And do you think this was an example of them really kind of taking the opportunity to get the guys that they pegged as those best college bats?
2: Oh, I mean, it looks like it. I mean, they obviously start off with with, with four college bats, you know, r- you know, right to begin with. You know, Norby, uh, you know, Norby was one of the better hitters in college baseball too. He hit four fifteen this year, huge, you know, huge year for East Carolina. You know, I think you know the bat's a plus tool. I think the rest of it's pretty average. You know, he, he's kind of that offensive second baseman type. You know, Trimble was a a second year freshman. Who who kind of really came on late, got off to a slow start, wasn't getting much attention. Then all of a sudden, you know, really finished strong. Led NCAA Division One in RBIs. Hit, hit seven homers in his final 12 games. He's, he's a switch hitter. He's got solid raw power. He's a well above average runner. 2020 um, 20 potential guy. Played center field. He he's played the infield in the past too. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're necessarily going to try him there, but but you could if you wanted to. He's interesting, and, and then Rhodes is another second-year freshman out of Kentucky, and, and to be honest. He didn't have a very good year. I I thought he had a chance, if he had a good year, to hit himself into the first round, and he didn't. He kind of got sold out for power, and and it it affected him at the plate. But, I mean, you're looking at a guy who who, who should have the ability to hit for average with the least average power. And, you know, he's got plus speed, like if you're running a 60, doesn't play quite that fast on on, on the field. Um, You know, kind of a right field profile. But, you know, four pretty interesting college bats to begin the draft right there
0: where you mentioned they saved about 1.3 on Kowser and they only took one high school player you know and I think Trimble is a guy that of course Rhodes as well are two guys that had college eligibility remaining and so they're not necessarily the normal over slot types but we'll probably get a little bit more than the slot value would indicate where do you think the bulk of their savings are going to be going in this draft class?
2: That That's a very good question. I, I agree on Trimble and Rhodes. They, they, they both have two years of eligibility left. They're also both, you know, Rhodes will be 21 in August, and, and Trimble is 21. So it's not like you have a ton of ledgers. If you go back next year, you're 22, and, and those guys typically don't even get full slot, you know, if you're 22 years old, even if you have another year of, of eligibility remaining. And, and frankly... Rhodes didn't have a very good year, so I can't imagine either one of those guys is going to be way over-slot. To be honest, I think kind of what happened last year—the guy the Orioles hoped was going to be there at pick 41, where their second pick didn't get Um, there—and I don't, you know, 1.3 million isn't a ton of money to spend. But I, I I look at it and I'm not sure because even you know Creed Williams, they're one high school kid that they draft in eighth round. I you know I'm sure you know I'm assuming everybody in the top ten rounds signs because they almost always do, and I'm sure he'll be over slot. I don't think you're going to sign a you know, high school kid for $188,000 in the eighth right. round. But I also don't think he's a million dollar player either. You know, like maybe he signs for, and I'm just guessing here. I don't know the number. Like 500. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a well over slot type of guy. So I don't I don't know. I, I don't know where they spend that money this this year. I, you know, may, you know, maybe they spend it all on guys, but there's not a a big ticket guy that, that that's obvious when you look at their draft.
1: What do you think of the pitchers that they took? The only one they took on the first two days was Carlos Tavera out of the University of Texas Arlington, uh, and then on the last day they took I think eight pitchers or seven pitchers. Uh, do any of them register with Jim Callis?
2: Um, You know, I don't think any of them are necessarily going to make our Orioles top 30 list right off the bat, you know, just, uh, you know, because none of them were were that high-profile guys. You know, Tavera's okay. But, yeah, I mean, none of these guys, the the strength of this draft is definitely in their bats.
0: So then, I mean, the names I would say through rounds – eleven through twenty that maybe are the most interesting, at least from my amateur opinion, are the eleventh round pick, Dylan Hyde, the uh, division two prospect, and then their twentieth round pick, the JUCO kid Craig, who was committed to go to Ole Miss. Are are those guys who maybe could demand a little bit more than slot, or are those more, I think, you know, intriguing names that will be monitored throughout time, you know?
2: I think more than the latter, I mean Dylan Hyde's twenty three years old, so like I mean you know, he's not going to command a, a huge bonus by any means. And, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know a whole lot about Craig, but again, he's already 21 years old, you know, as a junior college guy. So he, he's not super young either. I mean, if those guys want to play pro ball, like, they need to get going at their ages. You know, I think the age matters less for a pitcher, but Hyde is 23. And age definitely matters to teams, uh, position players, and Craig is already 21 and, and hasn't played at the Division One level.
1: So, so let me just jump in and ask you a question because I I watch the Orioles every day and the major league starting rotation is just a, a absolutely abysmal uh, and th- I'm not a genius for saying that and then you look at names like Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall and maybe a couple of the guys they picked up in the Bundy deal Bradish but I don't see like this plethora of 20 names that we're going to get to hand pick five or six starters in three or four years. Is this a philosophy that Mike Elias and Sig Madal have that to not spend a lot of money in the draft on pitching?
2: Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, I don't know that there's really any organization that has 20 pitching prospects where you're going to get six good starters just hanging around their farm system. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I do think Grayson Rodriguez is, is arguably as good as any pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, D.L. Hall, you know, has a lot of promise as well, and there's some there's some other guys too, like you noted. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, when he was in Houston. You know, the Astros had the number one pick three years in a row, and twice they spent it on pitchers. Now, neither one of those worked out very well for the Astros. Um, so, so maybe, you know, they're a little gun-shy there. But, no, I mean, like, for instance, I mean, I, I think they wanted Jack Leiter out of Vanderbilt in this yeah. year's draft. And I, I think they would have picked Jack Leiter at five had he gotten there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, looking at it, you know who? Who you know? I'm they, not privy to their board, so I okay. don't know who else they were looking at. Say in in round two, when they took Connor Norby. I mean, you know, there were some high school pitchers. There was Jaden Hill from LSU, coming off Tommy John surgery. There's Kai Bush from St. Mary's, and you know, they 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 like Norby better. You know, it's it's it, it, it's hard to say that that's that's a hard and fast philosophy after just a couple of years.
1: And I overstated when I said yeah. they don't have 20 names, yeah. but I'm not even counting 10 names. You know, in other words, you get. Grayson Rodriguez, DL Hall and maybe Bauman as and Bradish, that's four. If one of them gets hurt, you're down to three, you know And I, it's just uh, I really was disappointed that they're not getting the pipeline of pitching. Well, well that
2: said, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. You know, I mean, like I said, I mean, Rodriguez is one of the best pitching prospects yep. in baseball. Th- that said, I-, I don't think you can force it. You know, yep. if your board's set up and you think the hitters are the best guys on the board, you should take hitters. When, when you start drafting for need or for okay. a particular demographic, I think that's where you get yourself into trouble. Now, mm-hmm. you know, look, we can debate. You know, should they have taken Kerstad last year? You know, maybe they should have gone in a different direction. And that one's tough because he got sick. And and you can argue this year, should they have gone Norby? I mean, not Norby. Should they have gone Kowser in the first round? Or Or should they have maybe paid full slot and -hmm. tried to get Kumar Rocker, perhaps? Um, You know, I don't think they were on Rocker. And I don't think there were really teams in the top five who were on Kumar Rocker, even though he's obviously pretty famous. It's just... You know, I'll be curious to see how this plays out over the next couple years. Because you're right, I mean, the larger point is correct. They are going to have to come up with pitching. You know, they've made a couple trades to try to add some pitchers. But, you know, right now, if you're looking at their path back to contention, you know, and just noting the attrition that comes with pitchers, they're a long ways off from having yeah. that 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 rotation of the future in place.
0: Do you think I mean look from what we know about Elias and Sigmai Dahl and Company and how much they really I think trust their model when it comes to scouting prospects, how much of an impact do you think the pandemic and losing out on a year of data for high school kids and for even college guys, played into I think there may be risk averse approach here.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know too much. Cause like on the high school side, you really didn't lose data. There, there, there were there were, the showcase circuit was was pretty much business as usual last summer. So so I think on the high school guys, you kind of had you know what you would normally have on that on that class. Um, you know, on the college side, you didn't have the Cape Cod League and the Wood Bat Leagues and everything from last summer. Um, you know, I, I will say, you know, if you look at Houston. You know, when Mike was there and Jeff Lunau was there and before they left, Houston had a ton of success and still does at getting pitchers, especially on in the international market, for very low bonuses and... You know, however they do, labbing them up and they start throwing harder and spinning the ball better and, you know, getting all these contributors at a very low investment. And maybe that's the plan that. somewhat in Baltimore. And, you know, it, and if that's that. the case, it's going to take some time with their national guys because they're younger take longer to develop. But, but again, I, I haven't talked to Mike about this, but maybe the thinking is that, look, we can develop pitchers, you know, if we get the raw material and we don't have to go out and spend a bunch of money to, to find them because that's what they did in Houston.
1: Uh, you know that that makes sense in, in terms of a, a philosophy. You know because the Latin players, you can spend seventy five thousand dollars on ten guys. You know, and you got uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand. You got ten guys. You
3: know.
2: Yep.
1: It's a lot different. I wanted to ask you a question. Saturday night, I happened to be watching uh, on my live stream the Mariners. I think it was the Mariners and the Angels. And they had uh, the general manager of the Angels, Perry Manasian, on, who I think I'm going to assume you you thinks a pretty smart guy. Uh, and they were talking to him about whether that was by design that they took all 20 rounds of pitchers. And he made it clear that it really wasn't totally by design. But what do you think of that?
2: Well, one, you don't take twenty pitchers in a row by accident. So, like, nice. it might not—they might not have begun the draft with saying, "Hey, we're going to take twenty pitchers." But they clearly were targeting pitching, and yeah, there, there's no their question about it. It is very thin on pitching. Again, I don't—I don't love. I mean, I don't love it. I mean, I like some of the guys they got. I don't love it from the standpoint of the draft is hard. In a typical draft in a normal year, there's maybe. 30 or 40 good players in the whole draft. I mean, there's a lot more big leaguers than there's guys who might have a career year, but if you're talking about guys who are going to give you consistent value, there's 30 or 40 of them. There aren't many. So if you go in and say, oh, well, we're just going to draft 20 pitchers, well, you're eliminating, you know, let's say half of the good players in the draft are hitters. Well, you've eliminated half those players. You just make it tough. I I like a lot of the arms they got. They got some good arms, but... And they needed arms, so I'll give them that. I, you know, as an overall philosophy, I, I don't love it. <laughs> like to me, you got to take. I mean, and yes, you have to consider the bonus pool, but but you have to. You you should take the best player available, however you evaluate them. You know, round after round. And if you're going twenty pitchers in a row, at some point during that process. You're passing up hitters that you like to just keep pounding pitchers.
1: I know Kyle's got one more on the Orioles. I just wanted to ask you, the the 20 pitchers, does that present a development issue, complication? Where do you put all those guys?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good question. There, there's one, Everybody has fewer minor league teams now. Yeah. Almost all those pitchers, I think, except for one, 19 of them are college guys. Um, so, I mean – that's going to be the bulk of your pitchers in, in, in low A and high A next year. Yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of present a problem in, in that regard, yes.
0: Jim, really appreciate you taking the time for us, as always. Real quick, I mean, look, 2021, we've got about more than half the season underway. I mean, who are the guys that maybe were not your requisite top 10 Orioles prospects entering the season who have really put themselves more on the map as far as the scouting is concerned?
2: Um, I, I think Kyle Bradish is one. Um, you know, for sure. You know, he, he's had a nice year. Um, you know, I'll admit I've <laughs> I've been caught up in the draft, especially with <laughs> it being a month later. But like you guys know, I like Kevin Smith coming into the yeah. year, and and I think he he's had a nice year. Um, you know, those are probably the two that jump off the top of my head.
0: Gotcha. Well, Jim, always appreciate you taking Thank the time. You, Thank you so much. Obviously, it's a busy time of year for you, and we uh, we it's not lost on us when you make us make the time. Us, oh, so. no problem at all. Take, Great take content. Care, Jim. Thanks so much. Great Jim. will talk to you soon. Uh, There he goes, Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline. Senior writer, uh, truly one of the best in the business as it comes to not only draft analysis, but uh, just prospect analysis in the sport. So genuinely appreciate him taking the time for us here this morning. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark, Clark Radio. Oh, my goodness, excuse me. Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Pressbox. On their side, Reed Trimble, Orioles' third round pick will join us we'll be right back sports and social maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at live casino and hotel we take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100 foot media wall 47 foot big screen 40 hd tvs extensive beer selection big eats in venue gaming bowling and more the perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers we're raising the sports bar at sports and social maryland Come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com.
4: Here watch For the first time, the PGA Tours FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Hey everybody, this is Chris Ruling from Great Eights Memorabilia, and we want to invite you out to Jimmy's famous seafood on Sunday, July 25th. We will be there for the Casey Cares Return to Training Camp Crab Feast with Baltimore Raven linebacker Tyles Bowser. Tickets are on sale now at greateightsmemorabilia.com. That's great the number eight letter s memorabilia.com. And remember, you always have a chance to be great.
0: Redefine your skills, inspire, change. And- forward/baltimore
4: The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand carefully sorted bagged shipped and finally roasted and the journey ends as your cup of rich flavorful royal farms coffee the freshest and best coffee in the world real fresh real fast royal farms
5: Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands, while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit, and after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off Every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you, Windownation, the perfect fit.
0: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Thomas Kenzora profiles University of Maryland quarterback Talia Tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside, Bo Smolka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line, a look at Coppin State's Olympic connection, and much more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at... Pressboxonline.com. URL. You are listening to Glen Clark
4: Radio at radio.com
1: Call C3 American Exteriors, and I know these folks at C3 America, American Exteriors, to get a roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at four 410- ten. or go to c3america.com for a free analysis.
0: Joining us right now is one of the more interesting names in this year's Orioles draft class. He was technically a freshman, but only because of the COVID-shortened season. But he was a standout for Southern Mississippi this past year and was the Orioles' third-round pick. He is Reed Trimble and he joins us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Reed, it's Kyle and Stan the fan here in Baltimore. I understand you're eating some breakfast here in Baltimore right now, but really appreciate you taking some time for us this morning, man.
6: Yes, sir. I, I appreciate the uh, the uh the time you uh you've given No the, doubt, man. Concern. So I got
0: first things first. What are you eating for breakfast?
6: Uh I got actually I forgot the name. <laughs> um, uh
0: does it involve crab? It's...
6: No, sir, it does not. <laughs> That's one thing. Uh, is it like an oatmeal thing? Uh I actually got a chicken and wa- chicken and waffles chicken is what I, waffles. I actually got. Can't go wrong. Yeah, sir. Can't go wrong so- with that. a very southern thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Sir. So Reed, I was doing sure. some research on you. Um a Mississippi kid, you were raised in Oxford before tra- moving over to Jackson, and there's really not a whole lot of, of information out there on the internet about you. You were kind of a low profile kid coming out of high school. I know you originally were committed to Pearl City Community College before switching over to Southern yes, Mississippi. Can you talk a little bit about your background, uh, what went into your ultimate choice to go to Southern Mississippi, and uh, just how you got to this point right now? <clears throat> um,
6: you know, I wanted to play uh, with the best and against the best. And, uh, you know, I actually had a friend, uh, his stepdad played with Coach Kaye at Southern Miss, uh, when they were in college and, and, uh, he got me, he got Coach Kaye to come, uh, watch me. And so, I mean, when a really good, uh, top 25 program every year comes and and offers you a scholarship to play baseball, then I mean, why wouldn't you take it, you know? And, and, uh, and rather than go into a, a junior college, but, um, you know, it, it was just, uh. An awesome awesome time, you know. Um I uh Yeah, I mean it's just I I, I really enjoyed it and I'm sorry if it's loud <laughs> man, and breaking no outside. I apologize. <laughs> That's all right.
0: All good man, it comes with the nature of interviews, right? Hey, so I watched <laughs> after you guys were unfortunately right bounced from the Oxford regional against old miss. Uh you got pretty emotional when you were talking about um, how much you enjoyed playing with your teammates and it could tell it was like visceral how, how affected you were by the season coming to an end earlier than it did. Um how much how much fun did you have at Southern Mississippi? And it seems like you're a guy that you you beamed kind of smiling the most when you got a chance to talk about your teammates, not about yourself. Is that the kind of player that you are?
6: Uh that's that's the kind of player I wanna be. Um, you know, my my teammates, you know, you're not going to go anywhere, especially in this sport, without, you know, teammates and having good relationships with them. And, you know, I'll, I want to be, you know, the best teammate I can be. And if that's, you know, batting first or, or not playing, uh, but being the first person to pick somebody up, you know, that's what I want to be. I want to be the best teammate I can be. Um, you know, I had the best two years, I guess, uh, depending with COVID, uh, year and a half, two years, that I could have ever asked for. You know, I made the best of friends and, uh, that I could ever ask for and just really blessed to uh, have that opportunity.
1: You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio, and we're live in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio, and we're talking to the Orioles' third-round pick, Reed Trimble. Reed, I note on here that you are a switch hitter. At what age did you pick up switch hitting Are you naturally a left-handed hitter or a right-handed hitter? And how is the breakdown on how you hit both ways?
6: So I don't really know if I'm natural left or right. (laughs) My dad said um, the first time I ever picked it up, picked up a baseball bat was, uh, was I picked it up left-handed. Okay. And then if you know me, you know how I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I'm, I'll get frustrated from time to time, you know, if I get out and stuff, and it makes sense that, you know, I was in t-ball and hitting left-handed, and I wasn't getting hit, so I was hitting it right at people, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I switched to right-handed and then uh, hit right-handed until I think I was about 9 or 10, and um, playing pepper, uh, I just playing pepper in the backyard with, like, a couple of my buddies, uh, realized I wasn't too bad at playing left-handed cuz you know you had to go opposite side you know nobody was allowed to hit it over the fence so and uh so I, I just rolled rolled with it from there Are you
1: aware of uh Orioles center fielder Cedric Mullins and his experience as a switch hitter and then giving up right-handed aspect of uh switch hitting are you familiar with that story
6: Um I've seen <laughs> I've actually seen uh, baseball cards and, like, pictures of him hitting right-handed. Right. He, er, t- he was right, absolutely bunting right-handed.
1: He was absolutely terrible right-handed. And finally this <laughs> year, at the age of, like, 26, he just said, you know what? I'm going to go back to just being a left-handed hitter. And he's hitting left-handers
6: at a an really all-star. good clip. Yeah, he's an all-star. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I mean, I I thought it was, like, misbehaving. Mess- Printed pictures or something <laughs> like that. Right. I, honestly, I I, I saw it and I was like, "It's not Cedric Mullins. He's not a right-handed hitter." <laughs> so but you're I did not know that.
0: No yeah. sir. You're a kid who obviously had, and you still do right. Have negotiations are ongoing. Nothing set in stone quite yet. But you had the opportunity as a draft eligible freshman or soft, however you want to call it, because of COVID, to return back to Southern sure. Mississippi and. In the post-game interview after Game 7 there against Ole Miss, you kind of indicated that you'll, you'll, you'll do a little and you'll try to figure out exactly what's best and go from there. Did you have an idea that, that you would hear your name called on draft day as early as you did, and then walk me through your emotions when you did hear the Orioles call your name there in the third round?
6: Um, you know, that, that whole day was, you know, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty hectic. Uh, some teams that um that I had talked to the most, you know i didn't talk to that much that day and then uh actually the orioles i mean um they i didn't i i filled out like a questionnaire and and uh and and saw some things um and about them and like what we do here and uh you know they didn't really talk to me as much as like other teams did and when my my advisor called me he said. Uh, James Covington when he called me he uh (laughs) he said Orioles next pick I I was like what like are you serious like what are you talking about he's like Orioles next pick are you in or you out I said I'm in like (laughs) I mean I'm in and you know it was and then as that happened you know the emotions of you know one of my dreams has been fulfilled and uh you know I still got others to work to um but, uh, you know, hearing my name called out was, uh, was really awesome. And, you know, uh, just what a blessing it has all been, this whole journey. Uh, I wouldn't change it for anything. And it's just a lot of emotions, but happiness is probably the biggest one.
1: Reed, where where do you profile yourself? I'm not talking about talking to the Orioles or talking to your manager. Where do you think you fit defensively?
6: Um, you know, I feel like I'm a really good, uh, defensive center fielder. Um, if, I mean, I can play in my opinion, I can play anywhere. Um, but it just depends. Like if, if, if I need to play anywhere, any day, I think I can play anywhere. But if I had a choice, I'd probably say center field just because that's what I've gotten used to in the past year and a half, two years down at Southern Miss, but I don't think it, uh, take too long to get back in the swing of things at the infield.
0: I know that uh, initially Michael Elias and them and the scouting folks said that they might be interested in maybe trying you uh, as an infielder, and it remains to be seen maybe where you'll, you'll settle. I, look, I know that the answer you're going to give is that you're happy to play wherever the team wants yes, you sir. to play and wherever you can help the <laughs> team out. But I heard they're yes, going to ask him
1: to catch. <laughs> is, there,
0: <laughs> is there any Just indication kidding. from them as to maybe where you might be tried out initially?
6: Uh, no, sir. Not, not as of right now. Um, I haven't heard anything about that yet.
0: Well, we look forward to seeing how that all shakes out. But then your, your ability oh, yeah. as, a, as a power and speed guy, right? Obviously, last year you stole 10-plus bases, hit 10-plus home runs. Um, your tools as a baseball player, how much do you still think you're growing into your power? And uh, do you think that when it's all said and done, like you're going to be potentially a five-tool type of player?
6: Well, I, I really think I still got a lot, a lot of ways to go. Um, one of the main uh, things people had down on me in this year's draft was my swing and miss, you know. And I, I think that um, swing and miss and like swing at balls and strikes—that just comes with maturity and, and trusting my approach. And when I trusted my approach, and when I, when I really understood, um, you know, I didn't speak out as much, and so I.
0: Reed, you there? Uh, we lost you for a second there. Can you hear us?
6: Yes.
0: Sir. All right. Uh, I think we're yeah. We're getting you back. I can now. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. All good. All good. We lost you for a second, but you're back.
1: Reed, let me ask you a question to follow up on that. You you sound like a baseball player, somebody who's very passionate <laughs> about the game of baseball. What what is it about the game you love so much, and has it been that way since you were a little kid?
6: Um, yes, it has. It's always been a dream of mine from, from since I've can first ever remember, uh, to play and, and, to get drafted and then to play in the MLB and, uh, you know, um, from being told in in like second grade, uh, when you put your, uh, what you want to be when you grow up. And I said, a baseball player <laughs> and being told that, um. You know that's not realistic enough. Pick something <laughs> else, and uh, so I, and I just want to, you know, not necessarily prove everybody wrong, but prove me right, you know, and and do something that I really want to do.
1: What is it about the game you love so much?
6: Honestly, um, I think the ups and downs is what I love so much because you know, this game is so beautiful. I mean, it'll humble you so quickly, and you know, you can be the best baseball player in the world on the planet for five straight games and be the worst <laughs> one for ten straight games. Right. And I think uh, I think just the purity of it, you know, it's you take a round ball and a round bat and try to hit it square. And if you can do that 30% of the time, then then you're a Hall of Famer if you do that for 15 years, you know, so – I think it's the uh, simplicity of it, the purity of it, and the ups and downs that come Good. along with it that I love so much. It, Good, answer. It, Good wasn't,
0: answer. it wasn't obviously a linear path for you necessarily, right? Like you mentioned that you were hoping right. to maybe one day be in an Ole Miss uniform playing there and that you were prepared to go the JUCO route. Were there ever any moments throughout this time up to this point where your confidence in yourself faltered or maybe you wondered whether or not you weren't going to fulfill that dream that you had since you were young?
6: You know, um, there's there's nothing wrong with going to junior college whatsoever, but obviously you want to play at the Division One level or uh, and something like that. You know, play in front of big crowds and stuff. You know, so and I and I where it sort of faltered a little bit. My my confidence was, you know, playing summer ball. I um I was playing with guys that, you know, as a baseball player, uh, I have confidence and I and I believed I was one of the best baseball players out there. And there were several guys on that team that got drafted that year uh, going in – or senior year, going into their freshman year uh, of uh, college. And, you know, so I just I just firmly believe that, um, you know, that every every chance you get, you just got to take, take it most that you can, you know, take most advantage of it you can. And um, whether it's a JUCO route whether it's a Division One route, whether you get drafted uh, out of high school, out of college, uh, as long as you work hard and stay determined on what you want to do, I think you can do it. And uh, you know, that's just that's just my journey uh, going from committing to a JUCO to Southern Miss, and then now to here. So it's just my journey, and I want to I want to keep it going.
1: Reed, two more things from me. Number one, about both about your journey is number 1 how did you make it through the pandemic and work on your own development and also who's the biggest influence on your baseball playing
6: <clears throat> um through the pandemic you know I worked out a lot I knew I had to get bigger to be better um and uh I got bigger uh gained a little weight um and uh and obviously I hit a lot <laughs> um <laughs> But um, the biggest influence on me would have to be my dad. You know, um, or even both of my parents. You know, they've they've kept me down um so much, and and I thank them so much for that. You know, uh, talking about like when I have a big game or, or 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 something like that. You know, they're the first ones to tell me don't get too high, don't get too low. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I have a bad game, they're the first ones to tell me don't get too low, don't get too high. And, uh, you know, my, my dad, my mom, my parents, you know, I mean, just, uh, I can't thank them enough for what they've done for my life. And, you know, the good Lord has has blessed me so much with, uh, blessing me with a loving mother and father that, that I have. And, and I know some people aren't as, aren't as lucky as I am to have, uh, parents like I do. And, and, and I understand that and I'm very, very thankful for them and, you know, they they mean more to me, more than me, more to me than I can, uh, than I can persist to them. So, I just hope one day they they understand how much they mean to me.
0: I mean, I think you probably already made them quite proud already, but there's still a lot to come. And you know, it's no secret yes, what exactly is going on with the Orioles at the big league level. They are rebuilding. They are looking for guys to create a new future and bring the team back. To its previous glory. How exciting is the prospect of being one of those guys, of maybe being a part of the next great Orioles team in the future?
6: Um, I think that is like just one of the cooler things, you know. I mean, if you can rebuild and then and then win, um, and and hopefully, uh, Lord permits that, I'm I'm uh in that rebuild of a team, you know, and 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 I make it up when they start when we win and and everything like that and uh I think it would be the most uh just amazing thing, you know. Uh I'm going from a team that's, you know, not as good as a lot of other people or a lot of other teams to to a team that's winning uh almost every day it seems like. So I think that would be just awesome to be a part of that.
0: No doubt, man. Looking forward to watching you progress. Tell us a little bit about yourself off the field. Like when Reed Trimble has a Friday night to himself, no baseball games to play, where, what, what are you going to be doing? And, 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 do, you have
4: brothers,
1: and do you have brothers? I'm sorry, Reed, I'm jumping in. I'm staying. Yeah. Do, do you have brothers yes, and sisters?
6: Yes, sir. I do have a sister. Okay. Uh, she, I have a 24-year-old sister.
0: So then what is it that, like, even you know, sister aside, if you're just hanging out with your buddies in college on Friday night and you don't have anything to worry about, what, what are you up to?
6: Um, it really depends on, on the time of year. Uh, if it's, if it's cold outside, hopefully, uh, I'm hopefully I'm in bed so I can go <laughs> get up and hunt in the morning. Um, uh, but when it's hot, you know, I just, we love to hang out. We will go to each other's houses and, and just do whatever and just be close to each other and get, just have more time to spend with each other. Really. Uh, when we meet up with the rest of the team and stuff like that, but, just depends on what time of the year uh it is so if it's cold outside hopefully i'm in bed
0: what's the longest amount of time you've spent in a tree hunting
6: longest amount of time um probably i don't know uh i've been a couple times about uh from one to about six or one to about five thirty. uh uh, 12 to about 5.30. I, I, I'm i not a type of guy that goes out there and sits all day because <laughs> I get too hungry. But, uh, but I, I got to get down. Whether I go in the morning or whether I go in the afternoon, I got to get down and get some food in me.
0: Is there one dish that you're making sure you have your mom or dad send up to you once you get uh, around Baltimore that makes sure you don't go without it?
6: Um, if my mom can make some Oreo pie, and, okay. and hopefully she hears this, if my mom can make... <laughs> some some of her Oreo pie and send it up here uh, that would be the best thing I could ever ask for <laughs> that would be my favorite thing ever
1: have you ever eaten steamed crabs or do you
6: have you had crab cakes I have never had crab cakes or steamed crab well,
0: I, you're I, in
1: store
6: for something I good.
0: imagine you have the opportunity sometime soon to uh, make sure that's <laughs> no longer the case and I'm sure you will be a happy camper once you do yes sir Reed, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time for us, man. Congratulations on hearing yeah. your name yes, called, sir. and we're really excited to watch you progress through the Orioles system. And uh, look forward to catching yes, up sir. with you soon. All right.
6: Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. God Absolutely,
0: bless. man. Take a good one. There he goes. Reed Trimble, Orioles third round really? pick. No, Impressive nice kid. young kid, no doubt about it. Uh, excited to see him progress, and uh, I think there's a lot of cause for optimism about his skills and what he might be able to bring to the Orioles as time goes on. Uh, Clearly a kid who loves baseball, got his head on his shoulders pretty straight and uh, fun to talk to. He's got some personality, some nice Southern charm to him. Uh, Excited to see what he could become for the Orioles as the seasons go on.
1: Loved his answer on what he loves about the game, the ups and downs. I don't think you hear a lot of people accepting of that the game is is like a roller coaster ride. No
0: doubt. Very few people can just stay up the whole time, and you got to be able to handle those downs if you're going to ever be a great baseball player. But he's, I'd like to
1: see you go out hunting with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, never hunted in, in my life. For five or six yeah, hours. I mean, look, if that's if that's what it takes, I'll do it. I will be the one.
1: Now, is that one thirty in the morning? I think morning? he meant in the, in the afternoon. I think
0: he seemed to indicate that he's not going to be spending 10 hours out there on the uh, hunting blinds waiting for a deer to come across his sight. Okay. But uh, it doesn't surprise me, being a Mississippi kid, that that's one of the things he enjoys to do in his free time. Uh, good stuff. Enjoy chatting with Reed Trimble and look forward to making that connection down the line as well. Uh, before we take our next break, we are in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at PressBox as we enter the 11 a.m. hour. Today's show is also brought to you by Window Nation. And right now, Get 50% off all styles of windows, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. Kyle Ottenheimer, Stan the Fan Charles, Glenn Clark Radio. We will be right back.
5: Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their very berry salad and smoky thigh wings. It also features the all-new shrimp po' boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub-roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York Strip steak, the barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and smoky thigh wings combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. The Olympics start soon. Stop in and watch the games at Glory Days Grill. Every child who dines at one of their restaurants during the Olympic Games will receive a gold medal. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and
0: most trusted roof and side
5: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your
4: local Toyota dealer today. Baseball is back in full in 2021 and the Bat round has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host Zach Goodman every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the Bat round right here at Pressbox Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between. Plus, tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressboxOnline.com slash the Bataround or at Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. That's the Bat round every Saturday morning from 10 to 12, right here at Pressbox Box. it takes time to get rich flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of colombia and brazil to royal farms but less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world because royal farms new swiss made coffee machines grind those rich flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time it's why royal farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world real fresh real fast royal farms This is LenoirRadio.com. Nothing but net.
0: And we are back, Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, Stan the Fan, Charles. Today's show is also brought to you by Sports and Social Maryland, and they are bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at live casino and hotel. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. It is the perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. They are raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. So, going to get to a few questions from our listeners. Paul from Ovi Lando. Earlier in the show, when we were talking about, of course, the Manny Machado trade, he asked... Uh, Where do you rank the Matrado trade in O's history of bad trades? Does Dean Kramer need to get sent down to Bowie to try to rebuild confidence or just maybe check him out and maybe see if he can stick in the bullpen? Obviously, he is struggling mightily at AAA. Um, Hard to say about the rankings of bad trades. You have to understand kind of the context of the trade itself. You can... You can be upset, I think most upset, with when the trade was executed, right? And understand that the odds of them getting a King's Ransom were slim to none when they traded Machado when he did. Um, Obviously, it's incredibly disappointing that none of the guys from that trade appear likely to be Major League contributors. Kramer perhaps had the most hope entering this year. And as you mentioned, Paul, he's struggled mightily at both the Major League and AAA level.
1: Again, Kyle, uh, not to interrupt you, but yeah. the, but the, the the return is equal to what the Dodgers were getting, which is a not rental, a year yeah. and a half of Manny Machado. It was like two and a half months. No doubt. It was right after the All-Star game yep. that year of 2018, I yep. believe. Uh, so if the Dodgers were going to get a full season and a half out of Manny Machado, clearly the return...
0: If this was what they got back in that context? Yeah,
1: then it would be an absolutely horrible trade. I think Dan Duquette did as good a job as he could, Mm -hmm. given that he he was restrained from trading him, and he was also restrained from trading Zach Britton.
0: No doubt. And, I mean, you talk about Kramer. I mean, look, he led the Eastern League in strikeouts uh, in the year he came over from the Dodgers, Um, there was a lot to like. I think that they have to consider maybe a double-A demotion. It worked for Cedric Mullins. That's often more the exception than the rule. You don't see a lot of guys moving back multiple levels at the minor league level and then reclaiming and finding success in the future, but it seems like whatever it is they're doing with Dean Kramer right now isn't exactly working. So they might want to try and pull out all the stops and see if they could find something. Well, you know,
1: you know what, what mostly isn't working for Dean Kramer, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I haven't watched any of his minor league games, but with the stuff he's got, the fact that he's struggling at AAA, means hes it's all up here. It's a lot he's of that. Like, he's like overwhelmed with how he's blown his chance and each time out now, he's getting more and more self-doubt about right now. And clearly, in my opinion, the first thing I'd do is have him go to, like, a performance uh, person, a psychiatrist, or, you know, mm-hmm. to, to work on his thought process when he goes to the mound, that would be number sure.
0: one. I mean, even when he was at his best, he always had walk issues, right? No question. He about. he had a lot of ways to go until he was a guy who probably had the command that would be necessary or requisite for a starter with success at the major league level. So, I mean, look, he clearly knows that. We've talked to yeah. him multiple times over the years, and that's something that I'm sure – The Orioles have been hammering home to him as well, but I have no doubt that the psychological side of things for Dean Kramer is only adding and compounding his issues right now. So maybe he would benefit from a move down to Double-A to see if he could maybe find some things. But keep in mind, though, Double-A has has some damn good hitters, right? That's a lot of times where teams have their high-level prospects in their system. So it's no guarantee that he would experience that that uptick.
1: You know, know, the closest comparison I have is he's sort of like a – He's not Jake Arrieta, but he's like, that's the that's the comp I have in my head. His
0: stuff is. isn't quite as, as dominant as Arrieta's was. Arrieta always had that power fastball. He had like five pitches. Arrieta may have had too many pitches, if right. anything. Kramer has his fastball. He's got his curveball, which is his main out pitch. But beyond that, I don't know that he has a changeup really that he can rely on. And and obviously he doesn't the,
1: have the command. Right. That, the fastball
0: command is, has certainly gotten an Arietta's command is a kind of a laughing, kind of tongue in cheek thing when he gets to the Orioles level. But he always.
1: But you'd hate to see him end up in a Kansas sure. City Royal organization sure. or something and all of a sudden blossom no doubt. into what he can
0: be. No doubt. Uh, another question from Paul. Um, do you think Jordan Westberg, J.D. Mundy, and Drew Rahm uh, will be moving from Aberdeen to Bowie in the next couple of weeks? Obviously, he mentions Mundy has 10 homers in only 32 games. Westberg hitting nearly two ninety and Drew Rahm through the season is 7-0 with a two eight seven era stan any thoughts on that
1: well i went out to aberdeen and was excited to see jt jd mundy yeah we talked uh, to him last week he's, he's an undrafted kid
0: well it was only the five round draft in 2020 right. so right he was one so of those he eight probably guys yeah. Been, yeah right
1: so uh i i like the quickness in his bat it's interesting if that's the number of home runs he has i went down about three weeks ago to mm-hmm. see him he had 10 home runs then.
0: Well, he had, I believe, eight or nine at Delmarva before he was called up to Aberdeen, okay. both Westberg and Mundy. So, had how many been-
1: does he have for the total year? Between both places. Uh, at
0: least. So when we so talked it, to him, he had, I think, 12 or maybe a little bit more than that. I'll okay. pull up the stats just to be okay. sure so I'm not just talking out of my I, ass.
1: I like the bat. I did not like his glove at first base. He looked a little slow and awkward, but that doesn't scare me. Yeah. Uh, that's a position that if you work with a good infield coach, you can get a lot better. Like, you know who's you know who's perfectly adequate at first base? He's not fantastic. Is Ryan Mountcastle. No doubt. And we'd always heard about, ooh, where's he gonna play? You know. Yeah.
0: So Mundy has nine at Aberdeen. He had six at Del Mar. Okay, so he so has he's fifteen hit, total. Okay. Uh, he's had an impressive year yeah, at the plate. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And it will be his bat that will drive his value. You don't expect him to become suddenly like a plus defender in any sort yeah, of way. But he, yeah. you know, his frame is he's a bulky kid, he has right? He's a quick bat. He does. Yeah. He does. He's an interesting hitter. Um I'm interested to see how that goes. I think Rahm of the three is probably the one that would be closest to a promotion. Westberg potentially right after or right along with him due to the fact that he was a college bat and figures to have a pretty advanced approach. I think those are the two guys, and who knows, right? It's hard to say exactly how aggressive Elias and company are and will be in promoting the prospects here. I don't
1: think they're going to speed the process up willy-nilly, but right. I think if a guy is performing at a level that says, hey, he could probably go up another level. Uh, for example, Adley, I know it's not a questioner, yeah. but my question to you is, do you see Rutschman going up to Norfolk this season?
0: I think it will be, if not in concert with, not far removed from whenever they, if they, decide to move Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall along, I kind of get the sense that they think there's value to having those guys working together and kind of getting that chemistry going before they would reach the big league level. And you see how close they've become. um, And they are, from what we can tell, you know, like three musketeers in a way, right? They clearly enjoy being around each other. And from what we talked about, with double A having most often some of the best talent in the minor league level, I don't think that there's that much of a downside as far as the competition is concerned. If you were to keep Rutschman at double A and it wouldn't terribly surprise me if it wasn't until late, late in the year that maybe he gets a taste, if at all, right? He might even jump triple A altogether and get to the major league level at some point. What's your gut?
1: Well, my gut is that Phil Rye, the assistant general manager, I was saying this when you got a you had to call Jim Callis or yeah. or he called you. He mentioned this whole issue of the fact that if for for Richmond to get to the major leagues, he would have to end up on the 40-man roster.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once he's on the 40-man roster, if baseball has a work stoppage at the beginning of next year, you would have your best arguably your best player didn't play in competitive games in 2020 because of the pandemic, and then in 2022, an extended period of not playing. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're intentionally slow-boating him a little bit. I expect in two or three weeks he'll be up in uh, Norfolk. Okay. And I don't think – I think that I agree with you that they wanted them to work together, J- uh, DL yeah. Hall, and Grayson Rodriguez with Rutschman, I think that's been accomplished pretty much now, that they, they'll have a, an esprit sure. core moving forward. But I think it was valuable that Rutchman caught some of these best young pitchers there.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree, and I think that it's hard to not think that the performances of Rodriguez and Hall were aided by throwing to a catcher of Rutschman's caliber.
1: Well, it was just interesting. When I went out to Bowie, uh, it was the night they did gas can night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and by the way, I just want to make it clear that the Bowie Bay Sox weren't allowing you to bring in yeah, a empty. gas can yeah, with, yeah. With, with, ga- with gas in it or no. even the fumes of gas. No, no, no. It no. had to be a brand new one. Good, good call uh, on their part. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was really interesting to watch how Rutschman works with his pitchers. No Every inning, Kyle, he's running out to – to meet the guy just off the mound and talking about what they just worked on that inning uh, was really refreshing to see.
0: No, I mean from Didn't what you S- hear, did
1: Sisko do that much?
0: Well, Chance Sisko had a lot to work on defensively yeah. as a catcher. From when he was drafted, people like to say, I mean, he would be a average to above average major league catcher right now, yep. based on his skill set. So clearly, the defensive side of things is is a big part of the equation when it comes to why Adley Rutschman is going to, we assume, be the top prospect in all of baseball once Wander Franco has the amount of at-bats necessary to get uh, him off get that him off list. That yeah. list. Uh, you wanted to talk briefly about the uh, the whole uh, Yankees, Red Sox, Alex Verdugo yeah. snafu. I yeah. mean, what are, your, what are your thoughts on all of that?
1: Well, I, I think Major League Baseball has handled this properly. They haven't given us... You know, uh, the fans, the name of this uh, individual. Uh, but what clearly happened is the fan thought that this was kind of funny. I don't think he was doing it maliciously. Right. But uh, Verdugo was passing, I guess, the third, third out of an inning or something. Yep. He had a ball, and he saw a Red Sox fan in the bleachers, and he went to toss him a ball, and the Yankee fan intercepted the ball and threw it and hit right. Verdugo, maybe on the back or right. maybe near his head. I don't there know. There were some
0: accounts that indicated that it was a young kid right in the stands right. who had caught the ball and was getting some some crap from the Yankees fans right. around throw him throw to try back, and throw, throw it back. back. Right. And that maybe it was just purely accidental. All it's, it's possible that right. that's the case. Do you, you think know? it was the right move by baseball to say you're uh, banned from all 30 parks?
1: I think it's the right move to uh, initially, uh, and then I would expect even though the guy was banned for life, as they're saying now, I would think if we see in five years he's a, you know, uh, an upstanding citizen, that he could appeal that to MLB and maybe be reinstated to be able to go to games. It is very interesting, though— I'm just imagining him going – driving to Kansas City (laughs) – and right. buying a ticket. How are they going to? How are they going to know that this? Right. Is, hey, this is the guy. We,
0: I have a feeling it's a little bit more of a of a. a we PR. have to project yeah. that we are taking measures to protect yeah. this from happening. But all things to consider. I think he probably could get his way into a major league. I'll ball tell park. you
1: one guy that I know would not throw <laughs> a baseball at a player. Who's that? Is Bo Smolka?
0: Bo Smolka, uh, press box Ravens beat writer, joins us this morning here on Glenn Clark Radio as we are, I believe, now under two weeks away. From the start of Ravens training camp, Bo, it's Kyle and Stan the Fan here in Baltimore. Thank you for taking some time for us this morning, sir.
7: Hi, you're welcome. Good morning. How you doing, Bo? I'm good, and you're right. I would not be throwing baseball at players. (laughs) You are correct.
1: Let me ask you a question. We just had an Oriole prospect. uh, He hasn't signed yet, Reed Trimble, and he's a hunter. And he, he sits in trees for five or six hours. You wouldn't do that either, would you?
7: Well, I don't, but I will tell you, when I worked at Bucknell... Central Pennsylvania. I was. I felt like I was the only person that did not do that. Do you know in Central Pennsylvania and a lot of the Pennsylvania schools, <laughs> they actually close schools for the first day of buck season because so many kids skip school anyway that they decided so they don't have school on the opening day of
0: buck season in the fall. Wow,
1: I did not know that. I did not know that.
0: So, Bo, I think that probably. The biggest story as training camp is now just around the corner, we had heard, I think, some murmurs that perhaps starting in the early July portions, and they have been ongoing, we presume, that there could be a Lamar Jackson extension on the horizon. Do you think that if we get to training camp and there is no deal in place, that it's a reasonable assumption that maybe it won't be taking place uh, this season, or do you think that this sort of thing could really just fall at any moment? It's
7: so hard to predict because the situation is so different from others in that he, as far as we know, you know, there's still not an agent involved. Um, a lot of times, if the season, you know, most of these players, I, I don't know about most, many people prefer to get this stuff done away from the season. Once the season starts, they just don't want to fuss with it. But you also have an agent who's doing your work for you, so. In theory, while you're training camp and stuff, the agent can be doing all that stuff behind the scenes while you're focused on training camp and and the games in the season. They've done extensions in the middle of the season. They've done it for several players. Um, But the agent is the one usually doing a lot of the dirty work on that. Uh, If if Lamar Jackson continues without an agent, how does all that negotiating take place in the context of also trying to get ready for everything else that has to happen to get ready for the season? So it's... Fascinating kind of aspect and one that they, frankly, don't deal with very often at all. Um, yeah, there's been nibbles and there's been talk about it. And, I mean, it is the kind of thing that could happen anytime. time. It's just I find this one so hard to predict. Um, and I'm not trying to make a cop out there. It's just it's such an unusual set of circumstances. But I think it becomes tr- significantly more complicated once this, once the training camp and once the grind begins. Assuming he continues to go without an agent, because that's just another layer of work that would have to be done personally by him and his mom or whoever else is going to be his advising team. Um, But presumably, he will be very involved in that, and um, so I, I
1: I think it gets very
7: tricky once once the season gets going.
1: What we've heard is that his mom is his representation. Do do you think it's possible that she's? totally miscalculating the risk he's having uh, by playing without an extension?
7: I just don't know. I mean, again, it's, I mean, yeah, there's risk involved in playing without extension. Um, You know, it's hard, easy for me to say, I'd rather get the extension done and have the money in my pocket. But um, not all, you know, plenty of players have gone into this situation where they don't get the extension. There's risk involved. There's also the potential to bank on it. I mean, to, to have a fantastic year, and suddenly, um, you know, he's he's done even better for himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. There is risk; and there's no question about it. Um, it's again, I ask myself sometimes what an agent would be advising him, um, and and you can you can make the argument for both sides on the agent. You could see why an agent would say, "Let's get this done now," and you could you know the the agent might try to hold out for more, and 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 then the team and the agent slash player have this divide and they don't get to the extension line to meet, which happens with a lot of extensions and a lot of players in a lot of sports, to be honest with you. So it's a very fascinating one, but it, there's no question that it hovers overall with mm-hmm. this team because that's the biggest domino that has to fall, and, and others have to, can, can fall after that. That's not to say they can't get an Andrews extension, for example, or a Bozeman extension right. done before Jackson. But they certainly don't quite know what the numbers are going to look like until they get Jackson done. So a lot has to, a lot will, you know, and and it will dominate the storylines. Here we are talking about it. The first thing we're talking about in this whole discussion is this extension. So I think until it happens, it's going to be a dominant storyline for this team, whether they like it or not.
0: Obviously, uh, when it comes to the -the on-the-field discussion with Lamar Jackson, it seems like outside of Baltimore, there's always the discussion that, oh, he needs to improve as a passer outside the numbers. The Ravens need to evolve their offense in order to really uh, move to the upper echelon and be Super Bowl contenders or maybe break through and reach the Super Bowl. We saw them hire Keith Williams and T. Martin in the offseason. Uh, they didn't really shore up the third tight end spot. Is your gut that the Ravens will be an evolved form of themselves or do you think it will kind of be a little bit more of the same as far as the run pass split this year? I
7: mean, they want to be they want to be evolved and, and they've invested in the re receiver position. I know the narrative is that they don't put any money into the receiver position. They don't do this and that. Let's be clear. They used another first-round draft pick on a receiver this year. That's two in, what, three years? Yep. They brought in Sammy Watkins, who thrived under Greg Roman when he was a younger player. And I know there's injury history there. They absolutely expect this offense to evolve with the passing game. John, you know, first in the run, 32nd in the pass. Marquise Brown has said we need more balance. Other players have said it has to be more balanced. John Harbaugh dismisses to an extent the 32nd ranked passing offense because that ranking is specifically done by yardage and if you don't run much if you don't pass much you're not going to have as many passing yards as other teams and that's his argument he says they need and he admits they need to be more efficient he talked about passing efficiency when we get in the red zone are we finishing drives with touchdowns are we taking are, are the passes that we are throwing successful Um, so I don't think he would worry if they're still the 30th ranked passing offense, if they're efficient and if they're scoring when they have the chance to score. But having said that they do need, and I think, I think for them to reach their ceiling, they need to be a more productive passing game. And they've, they've, they brought in Rashad Bateman, another first round draft pick. They brought in Sammy Watkins, who they think can be an upgrade to an extent, you know, on a trade off on what they lost. Um, They hope Marquise Brown is going to elevate. I know he disappears at times, but late in the season he really came on strong and he was great in the playoffs again. So there's more options and there's there's more better players in that passing game now. So it's up to Greg Roman and it is up to Lamar Jackson to take advantage of that. And they will tell you that if we can be a more dangerous, more threatening passing game, that's going to make the running game even better. So – I, to answer your question, I think, yes, they do think this offense will evolve. John Harbaugh has said, you know, that we're, our offense is what it is, and we're not apologizing to anybody for it. They are still going to be a running team. It's what they do. It's what they, they like to do, and I think it's what they're successful at. But they, I do think they recognize that the passing
1: game has to evolve. So running or passing. What do you make of the the what looks like right now the offensive line, and is Ronnie Stanley? Do you think on on pace to be able to play when the season opens?
7: Our, again, we haven't been, He hasn't been out there, obviously, on his rehab. All indications from John, when we talked to him a month ago during minicamp, they seem to be comfortable that the timeline would work for him to be ready. Um, and obviously it's a big part of things. If he's, if he were to have a setback and not be ready, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of him in training camp either. Quite honestly, maybe late in the training camp, maybe a little bit one of the preseason games, if that, um, but I think that they, they seem to indicate that he should be ready by the regular season. Again, having not played then in almost a year, will he round right into form, um, but I think the goal is, yes, he'll be there. If he were, able to, if he were not able to be there, um, then they probably put Villanueva over on that left side and where he played before.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, where he moves over and he's the right tackle for the first time. But, you know, he's a veteran guy. They brought him in for that reason. Um, and then you've got Zeitler at right guard who they think is going to be an upgrade from the two or three guys they tried there last year. Bradley Bozeman is moving to center Mm -hmm. by all indications. I mean, John Harbaugh essentially declared that. Then he walked back from that a little bit and said, well, he's the center for now. That was just kind of a way to say, hey, we're going to compete. But Bozeman's going to be the center, barring any strange development. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the only question, really the biggest question, is Stanley's health and who's next to Stanley at left guard? And, you know, it's a, big, it's a big question because, again, this is a team that needs to establish the line of scrimmage if they want to run the ball.
1: Who are you guessing um, is going to they be really there like right like Ben
7: now. Cleveland, the big mauling mauler they got uh, from Georgia, the rookie. Ben Powers will be in the mix. Tyree Phillips might be in the mix. There could be three or four guys in the mix. Um, you know, if I were to handicap it, I, would, I think Ben Cleveland's going to ultimately be the starter, whether it's week one, whether it's week four. Um, I think over the course of this season, he's going to end up coming out. John Harbaugh generally is not a guy that likes to hand starting positions to rookies. Right. Um, But I I think Cleveland is ultimately going to be the guy that plays there the most this year. So Stanley's health is clearly the number one story of that offensive line. I mean, yeah, you have to put the five pieces together, but I do think Stanley's health kind of dictates everything. They seem to be optimistic that he will be, um, ready come September, but as I said, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of him in August.
0: With the right-tackled spot, you mentioned Villanueva presumably would be the backup for Stanley in any event, whether it's the start of the season and he's needed then or just throughout the course of the season, but have you, have you noticed Harbaugh and company speaking as though he's going to be the incumbent at right tackle, or do you think it will be sort of an open competition between he and Tyree Phillips?
7: I, I, my sense is it's Villanueva at right tackle if Stanley is healthy. I think they brought him in kind of with that in mind. Um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, they'll sure they'll be an open competition if Tyree Phillips takes reps in this in the summer and in training camp games, and he's awesome. I mean, it's gonna it, it's hard to not have him on the field then. Um, and then Villanueva becomes kind of the you know thirty something swing tackle who could take both spots, but. My sense, and they don't like to talk about the arrangements and they don't like to forecast who will be where they like to say the best five guys will play. Um, but my sense is Villanueva probably ends up being the right tackle.
1: So uh, that running game, uh, gone is Mark Ingram. Uh, and, of course, number one running back will probably be uh, Dobbin. But uh, Gus Edwards is number two. It, who's after that right now? What's the pecking order beyond Gus Edwards?
7: Well, I would think it's Justice Hill, but I mean Dobbins is an interesting one. I mean Dobbins, you know, I think a lot of people when they drafted Dobbins, um, they kind of foresaw what happened as the year went on. That yeah, Ingram's the incumbent guy, but Dobbins is the Dobbins is the guy that. Uh, Uh, Eric DeCazza said, you know, he was just too good not to draft when we drafted him. I mean, they couldn't believe he was sitting there when he was, so they took him. On paper, they didn't need a running back, right? They had Ingram, they had Edwards, and they had Justice Hill already. And then in the second round, they take Dobbins, and he said, well, he's just too good to pass up. So by the middle of the season, Dobbins had kind of started to elevate, elevate, and by the end of the year, he was pretty much the number one guy. I think what they really want to see out of Dobbins this year is a more attention to him as a, in the passing game, Mm -hmm. both as a pass blocker and as a receiver. And, again, you don't get a whole lot. You can glean from minicamp and train and uh, the OTAs. But you did sense a greater emphasis on Dobbins as a pass catcher in drills, uh, in some of the seven-on-seven plays, um, that that's something they were on. He's just a danger when he gets the ball in his hands. He had trouble with drops last year, including in the playoff game. Sure. But I do think they're going to try to get him more involved in the passing game. Gus Edwards, you know, he is what he is. And, frankly, I thought he really elevated last. I thought he looked better wow. going to the outside last year. Definitely, I think he yeah. got away from his reputation as just a between-the-tackles bulldozer, um, which he still can be. But remember, they often used Dobbins and Edwards on the field together last year, and I thought that was really effective.
0: Are you expecting And then Justice
7: Hill is a guy who kind of has been lost in the shuffle because um, – because he was the fourth guy when they had Ingram, and he was the third guy last year when they kind of phased Ingram out and pretty much went with the two. But this is year for Justice Hill to try to make, make it. I mean, he's – and they've got a couple other guys they'll bring in. They've got a couple undrafted rookies or uh, rookies, guys that they signed off the practice squad who have challenged and played a little bit, Tyson Williams and others. But Justice Hill is a guy who is in spot in line to be a number three back. What that means for this team, it's hard to say. I think they'll end up using a lot and then a you know um but I think I think we'll see Dobbins particularly maybe used more in the passing game and maybe more as a one back. But Dobbins and Edwards together particularly are a are they're a pretty tough combination.
0: No doubt. I think another one of the hot topics, at least for Ravens fans, throughout the course of the off season, has to do with the edge rush and understandably so, right? They lost their two starters last year. They did draft a Owe at number thirty one overall, but a lot of people were expecting and maybe are still expecting that the Ravens will be in on the veteran free agent class, whether it be Justin Houston or Melvin Ingram. Have you heard any indication that that is still a possibility? Or do you think the Ravens are sort of taking the wait and see approach when it comes to the edge rush?
7: Uh, I, my, my own personal feeling is I think they're taking a wait and see approach. It's funny with the free agents that are out there this time of year. Um, I, I always find this funny rhythm to free agency, right? There's the crazy, frenzy in March. Then it dies down, and you have this group who is unsigned all summer, and either because their price tag is too high, or the other teams don't have needs, and so they kind of hover, just waiting there. And then what happens in August, some team loses two guys at that position to injuries, and suddenly that guy's a hot topic again. Right, right. Um, and then there's, a, there's interest again. I think in a situation like this, um, the Ravens are, it seems, well, it's clear they're taking a wait-and-see approach. Um, I think it's still possible they'll end up signing an edge rusher off the street, but I think that it will be at their terms, as it always is, if, if so, and they're going to give these young guys a chance. I mean, it, 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 was, a, it was a conscious decision not to re-sign Judon, uh, not to re-sign Ngakwe, uh, and that obviously leaves huge questions, and they're fair questions. I mean, yes, O.A. had no sacks at Penn State his last year there, and they took him in the late first round, and so, of course, that's questioned. And the the Ravens have faced questions from that right away. They faced him the night he was drafted. Every time Harbaugh or Wink Martindale, the defense coordinator, speaks, it seems to come up, hey, you have this edge rusher had no sack, (laughs) And they say, look, the guy is just a physical specimen. He's he's just so – a little raw, but he's unbelievably – you know he's just he's got all the physical traits, so he'll he'll get to the quarterback, etc. Um, that's obviously what they're hoping for. They think Dalen Hayes is a you know fourth or fifth, mm-hmm. I think is a fifth round draft pick out of Notre Dame. Yeah. I think they like what they saw from him so far. I think he might find himself into the mix uh, early, um, and then of course Jalen Ferguson is a guy with a you know he's got a big target on his back. This is a huge opportunity for Jalen Ferguson um, this training camp and early this season because he's kind of.
4: You know, he's been down
7: the line a little bit, rotational guy, but now you've lost Judon, as you said. You lost to Jihad Ward is gone. Mm-hmm. Burnell McPhee is back, but his role at his age will presumably be limited. Jalen Ferguson is the guy that they are, they are looking to step up this year, and Jalen Ferguson knows it. And um, So I think he's one of the pivotal guys, and how he evolves, I think is, will, will dictate a lot about how this pass rush goes. And it also might dictate whether they – how strongly they do look on the free agent market, I think is a really, um, really important narrative to watch this summer and early fall.
0: Uh, sticking on Oway for a second, I think that, as you mentioned, right, the sack or lack thereof production there at Penn State in this final season maybe gave some fans pause, but... We know the Ravens sometimes hesitate to give rookie outside linebackers uh, substantial playing time early in their careers. However, Owe was praised as being a quality edge setter and apparently did impress when he dropped back in coverage during the pre-draft workouts. Do you expect that even despite maybe the questions about his sack production that Owe should be seeing some action on first and second down for the Ravens? Well, I mean, in,
7: in in the in to some extent, they're not going to have much choice if they have the certain certain players as they do. Yeah, I do think they will. I think I think there's a chance he will. I think they like his physicality. I think they love his speed, side to side, and, and good getting upfield toward the quarterback. So, and you watch him. I mean, what little bit we've seen of him in the mini camps and training camp, he's just he he is. They're they're absolutely right. He's a physical specimen. He looks so good uh and so i think they will find ways to get them on the field it's one of these things you get the best guys out there um there's things to learn with him and they'll they'll say it uh and so but yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all that yeah they're hesitant to give rookies action right away i mean yeah patrick queen started right away a lot of times the first round draft pick will start right away we'll see rashad bateman right away health you know if as long assuming health um and I think we will see some of Oa. To what extent they'll rotate him in, or how what the snap count will be, and so forth, will be remain to be seen. But again, there's not a whole lot of options there right now, and and they like a lot of what he brings. So I do think we will.
1: In in that linebacker core, Bo, uh, you mentioned the name Patrick Queen. Uh, what what does he have to do to elevate his game right now? It look like in in sort of the game went a little too fast for him at this point in time last year yeah i you know i
7: think he i think he it was so interesting last year, wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, had told us, look you know he's going to make rookie mistakes, but he's fast, and we can live with the mistakes when he, you know we can live with those rookie mistakes because he's so fast and he'll 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 but now he's a soft he's a sophomore he's a second year player, and so the rookie mistakes aren't going to cut it anymore. Patrick Queen last year said himself sometimes he just got over he, there was he lost discipline in in the sense that quarterback moved him with his eyes for example and that got him out of position and then a pass is made or a run happens um and so he 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 overcommitted in some respects in the run and in the pass and sometimes it was veteran quarterbacks knowing what they were doing and basically taking advantage of a rookie who was over excited or overcommitted i think part of him this year is going to be you have to hope that everything looks different to him in the sense of being a not fooled that way, mm-hmm. um, and right. being more disciplined in in his lanes and and in, and reading assignments better and and all of that. And I think they, you know, I think they still like who they have. Remember, he's a guy who didn't hardly he didn't even start a full season at LSU, right? Um, so I think a lot of that, was, and he said it himself. He he attributed some of his mistakes last year to exactly that. Um, and I, you, so you have to think there was some growth there and that those kind of mistakes will be behind him. Willie, he, he's not going to be perfect, but I think that's a huge part of it was watching him evolve last year. I think that was one of the things, uh, that really, if you want to call it a weakness, that's where his game kind of broke down a little bit. And so they're obviously hoping that that is, is done for now as, as a second year player. So. Uh, that's on him to make it happen but i think he's learned a lot in that respect and that's that's kind of been his focus
0: are you to assume that i mean as of from what we've seen and heard that josh oliver has the inside track to the third tight end spot yeah it's been interesting he looked pretty good i mean I, again
7: you're looking at minicamp seven on seven right. you're not looking at a game situation um but as a as a guy who's <clears throat> had trouble staying healthy i mean he's he's he looks the part, good size. I mean, he can get out downfield. He can catch the ball. So uh, it seems that way. Um, and obviously you talk about Ronnie Stanley, the Nick Boyle situation is another um, significant kind of health rehab to watch because obviously this team is different when Nick Boyle's there than when he's not. So obviously, and and again, he's another guy that they seem to believe will be on pace um, to be there. But yeah, Oliver, I think has looked good. So, It'll be wide open. There are other guys in the mix there, but I think they've been um, – they, I've been pleased to what – I mean, they don't really
0: care what I think, <laughs> but I,
7: I think they like what they've seen from him. So I, if you were to handicap it now, yeah, probably I would go that way.
0: Are there uh, any other storylines entering training camp that you think should be on our radar, or do you think that – I mean, look, the roster's pretty good top to bottom. Are these sort of just the main stories that we're looking at currently?
7: I mean, I think you hit a lot of them, right? I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of people talked about Greg Roman's comment uh, that they were going to work with Lamar Jackson more under center this year.
0: Yeah, um,
7: we'll see if that bears out or not. Part of that is probably comfort level and getting used to it. And again, training camp is so hard because they're not going to show you much. They don't want you to see too much, um, so they're not going to they're not going to show much. But. Uh, it's going to be the same question for three straight years. How does Lamar Jackson look? It always comes down to that. How does the passing game look? Um, and in in non-contact training camp drills, it's hard to gauge, say, whether, you know, how the edge rushers really re- – reading edge rushing in, the, in training camp is one of the hardest things because they don't want them getting to the quarterback. Um, so – uh, it, it, that'll be tricky. So, so much will be focused on Jackson and really honestly, you try to hope you get through the next month healthy. And by the time you get to training camp games, preseason games, these guys can start to show and let's face it last year's rookies, never even got any training camp games, preseason games. And so that was another issue. I think that maybe was a factor in, in Patrick Queens development last year, um, because these rookies last year, never even got preseason games. And so, to an extent, I think all the rookies last year suffered from not having that. I mean, it's a, it's a valuable tool before the season. So they'll benefit from that last this year, and the rookies will benefit. Of course, it's only three because they've expanded the regular season. But, you know, that, especially the third preseason game, if they keep the same pattern where the starters ramp up a little bit at a time, and that's one of the things I'm curious to ask John Harbaugh, if they're still going to plan to do that, and have the starters play like half the third preseason game where they'll try to confine them to more of the first two. But either way, um, how does the passing game look? And, and 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 these preseason games will be the opportunity for some of these young guys to show that they're ready.
1: Bo, uh, real quick, is, it, is my topic on this question much ado about nothing, or is it the 6,000-pound elephant in the room this move from sixteen games to seventeen games how's that going to affect the coaching calculation
7: oh i i mean in terms of in terms of the, the get working through the season or you yeah. the coaching calculation
1: yeah. yeah working through the season
7: well i i i i it's hard to say i mean i don't know um I think the biggest thing is they're going to have to map out how they're going to do their the their, their preseason. I mean, they only have three games, so the fourth game was, frankly, the one that none of the veterans played anyway. Um, it's another game. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. John Harbaugh will always say you work on the game in front of you. You know, we're worried about the game in front of us right now, and that's true. Um, I don't know if it's a 600-pound elephant. I think it's a complicated thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, it seems unwieldy to me, to be honest with you. I... But they didn't ask me, and the money's there, so they want the 17th game. Yeah. So that's how it goes.
1: And I think we'll get an 18th game in the next we two I years. Coming back to on yeah. it, it's,
7: it's, it seems strange and awkward. It's going to take some getting used to on all sides. Yeah. Um, but John Harbaugh, to an extent, I think he'll look, you know, on –
0: Monday, he's looking to the next Sunday, and I think that's the way it's going to be for 17 yeah. weeks. He is Bo Smolka. You can find his work at PressBoxOnline.com and in the PressBox print editions. And uh, always appreciate your time, Bo. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. You're welcome, guys. Take care. Take care, Bo. There he goes. Bo Smolka, PressBox Ravens beat writer, providing a little bit of insight as we get ready for training camp. Here in the 2021 season, Uh, we are going to take our third and final break. Today's show is also brought to you by the fine folks at Toyota.
1: That's right. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Highlander, whether your focus is luxury and comfort Convenience and technology, advanced connectivity or sporty performance, and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. And I have to make an editorial note that my wife... Drives a brand new Highlander. How
0: about that? Uh, We're going to take our third break. On the other side, we will have two Utes. As Jack, the intern, will tell us what's been going on in the world of the young folk. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle Ottenheimer, stand the fan. Charles will be right
4: back. Here, it watch out. For the first time, the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today.
0: 401- 9797 or go to c3america.com for a free
4: analysis this is how you get a premium cup of coffee better and faster than the drip 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 method and way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when at royal farms our new swiss made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms Coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal
0: Farms. Sports & Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at live casino and hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports & Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com.
5: Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off. Every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90NATION or visit windonation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you WindowNation, the perfect fit. The biggest pro wrestling
0: stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out.
5: Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The Champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The Great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg.
4: My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. The champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion.
0: AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud.
4: Tweet us now. Glenn Clark Radio, 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com.
0: GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, we're back. Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Audenheimer, Stan the Fan, Charles, live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at PressBox. Glenn Clark Radio is always brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance Specialist. Today's show has also been brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. A couple odds and ends before we get to two youths. Rock Kabatko tweeted out about 45 minutes ago some Orioles minor league moves. As a guest of the show last week, Robert Newstrom, the outfielder, moves from Bowie to Norfolk. Also, going from Aberdeen to Bowie, uh, we have right-handed pitcher Ryan Conroy and outfielder Zach Watson. Watson was... The Orioles' third round pick in 2019, Elias's first draft. He's only hitting about 249, but he's slugging 442, nine homers, 18 stolen bases. So, interesting prospect. and seeing him move along is always a good sign. Also, going from Del Marva to Aberdeen, uh, right hander Ignacio Feliz, kind of unfamiliar. Uh, on prospect of note, one of the over slot guys in last year's draft, Hudson Haskin moving from Delmarva to Aberdeen after a successful start to the year at Delmarva. Zach Peak joining him, and then Ryan Watson is going to be assigned to Aberdeen. Uh, but that brings us to one of our favorite segments, of course, Two Utes. Two Utes featuring intern Jack is brought to you by Glory Day's Grill. And Glory Day's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their Very Berry Salad and Smoky Thigh Wings, Featuring the all-new Shrimp Po' Boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and the smoky thigh wings combo platter, along with zucchini fries and a key lime pie. All these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their Anniversary IPA, brewed by Devil's Backbone. Without further ado... Uh, Two Utes featuring intern Jack Stan For you, Uh, the uninitiated of course This is when our young intern tells us All of the topics, or three of the topics I should say, that have been making Waves among younger folk Younger than you and I Uh, And we're getting an idea about just what they're talking about So Jack, take it away Uh, Yeah, yeah I'll turn your mic on, maybe that'll work there we are.
3: Um so over the weekend Space Jam is this on, right?
0: You're on. Oh okay. Can you not hear yourself? No, I can't. Well, that's on you. Oh. Maybe your mic is or your headphones are very turned down perhaps. But uh no, I can hear you. I can okay. hear you just fine.
3: Perfect. Um so la- over the weekend Space Jam 2 came out and um for those who are uh not the biggest LeBron fans of of him on the court have really let him have it in terms of the uh, the movie itself. So um Space Jam Two is like the sort of like the reboot model of yeah, yeah, the yeah. the original one with Michael. Jordan. Have you seen the original? Yeah, I have seen all the original right, one. Sure, I was sure. I what I, I was planning on watching it this weekend. I had a lot of going on, so I'm actually but you have
0: watch... seen it prior. You mean Space Jam Two? You're talking yeah, about? Yeah, because yeah,
3: right, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. on HBO Max. It right? is. Yeah, so I intend I, I to watch like, it at some point this week. So I'm I'm probably gonna watch it tonight just because I gotta see like how the movie is. I mean, I just gotta see like if it, is it really is it one of the worst movies of all time? Because the if you what you're reading on the internet makes it seem that LeBron's acting is really just poor just in general the the actual like the animations are all different everything's changed so i mean Everybody's just like unleashing on LeBron, and there's like the the famous like the MJ meme from The Last Dance, where he's like looking at the iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's like, or yeah, it's like this is how Michael Jordan feels right now, like looking, uh, like seeing all of the reviews that are going on with uh, with the uh, the second movie. But
0: um, of course, we should all be expecting LeBron James to be an Oscar caliber actor. <laughs> there's no excuse whatsoever for him not to be finally trained right. in that art. It's not like he's really, 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 really good at anything else. You
3: exactly. Know? But I don't. I also don't think LeBron. Ron really cares. I mean, the movie's killing it. He's I would set to make. Um, I was just reading online. It was the movie set to like break 40 million this weekend on the from the box office. So I think I think he's doing okay. I
0: think it's a little bit of revisionist history as well. I think when the uh, initial reviews for the first Space Jam came out, I have to imagine there were probably some critics of Michael Jordan's acting as well and that they probably said this isn't probably going to be an Oscar winner come February definitely not no it's kind of not made for reviewers it's more made for children well that's
3: that's the big thing so it's like everyone that is like on the LeBron side of things, is like, well, it's not meant for the 30, 40, 50 year olds. It's meant for the 10 year olds. Right. But I mean, people back that are saying that now grew up in the 90s with Space Jams, so the original ones. It was so a big part of my life. I had right. a Space
0: Jam poster in my room growing up, even took it to college with me because I thought it would be kind of funny. Um, but no, Space Jam is one I fondly, I am a big Looney Tunes fan. So I'm excited to, to watch and see what they've done with it. It's a little bit weird that they've got different voices, but Mel Blanc's not alive anymore, so they can't really have Mel Blanc do it. Um, I was annoyed that they did the uh, 3D animation.
3: Yeah, that's a, a couple of my friends were just talking about that, and they were saying, "How can you, you feel like the whole thing is that they look right. a certain way?" So making it like the 2021 version of that is like,
0: but I'm kind of steered away from it a little splitting bit. Splitting hairs it, here; it, it's not meant for me either. Uh, no. I can acknowledge that uh, the nostalgia aspect of it isn't what they're going for here. It's a cool reboot, and right. so I'm excited to watch it. Just yeah. my brother said it was enjoyable, and he's older than me, so it's not like he's a young kid. Um I'll watch it and see how it is and I gotta remind myself when I do that this is again meant for children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's number two?
3: Um so the second thing I have was over the weekend it came out that uh Tom Brady actually spent the played the entire season on a torn MCL. Yeah um I don't know if it's like I mean he might have had a torn MCL, he may or may not have. There's a but lot of different grades. There's some speculation of torn going MCLs. on. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. may have been like a hairline tear right. or something, something small, something tear, small but right. uh, they the NFL came out and said that they may be cracking down on the Bucks itself and being like handing out some punishments because if he actually had a torn MCL and they didn't disclose it once the entire year, there, there's like a couple like the team could face fines, Brady could get suspended. I, I don't I don't think it'll happen. Probably
0: deem it worth it if they get fined a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, they won the Super Bowl, <laughs> right. so
3: I mean that's that's totally fine. I mean, you can you can get a a little whatever the fine now. And they're certainly
0: not going to suspend Tom Brady.
3: Um no, I I, I yeah. do not I do not think so. And then, and then there's like sparks coming back up from uh like the Deflate Gate and all of that kind of stuff. Like he's got suspended before, so like they've done, they've like started to bend corners and cut corners around that. So I mean
1: did he sit out a game from Deflate Gate? Did uh, he ever he was suspended he for the first four for games the, game. four the following games year? Of year. Yeah.
3: yeah. And then I ended I think they ended up going three and one. They had like Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback for a little bit. They had Garoppolo. Garoppolo hurt. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I mean happened in the past I don't I don't think he'll end up getting suspended but
0: no we've had uh, we've had pro football doc on many times through the years when Ravens players get hurt he indicated that there's little to no chance tom brady played all of last season with a fully torn right. mcl and then on top of that we know tom brady isn't exactly the most mobile person to begin with so it's not like lamar jackson playing with a torn ncl <laughs> i so, think yeah, that um, would be very noticeable right. if
3: lamar had something wrong yeah. with his knees.
0: but no i mean look it was, even without the mcl thing for a 43 year old quarterback to go and win the super bowl and play as well as he did last right. year it's pretty unbelievable
3: torn mcl nothing he did it so. yeah
0: still respect what right. he accomplished
3: yeah and then, so I feel like this has just been like an ongoing part of this whole segment, but it's going back to the Subway oh, man. tuna debacle. <laughs> um, so they actually just released a Stan, website. Stan, are you
0: familiar with the Subway tuna thing?
1: Yes, I am. That there's very little tuna.
3: No,
0: there's, there's no tuna.
1: There's no
0: tuna. I
1: thought it was. I guess that's a tuna. new update because I was aware that there was very little.
0: They tuna. found no trace evidence of there being any tuna in the tuna.
3: Well, so they did like a DNA test of like the Subway tuna and found that there were no resemblance of any tuna DNA any in tuna. it. Yeah. Okay. So to combat that, they actually just launched Subway just launched its own website called SubwayTunaFacts.com. And oh, it's dear. trying to just like debunk the whole entire thing. I feel like the whole this whole tuna, they should yeah. just get it off the menu. And I just would say it's they It's just terrible publicity. Have not you
1: seen the new TV commercials for Subway that launched? I think this weekend with, with uh, Steph Curry and Steph Serena Williams and, Curry, all Serena that? Williams yeah, and Tom yeah, yeah. Brady.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, they have money. It's not like they don't have money. It was, I think, they had the most franchises of any fast food place in the entire country. But all that also has to do with the fact that you can throw a Subway in a gas station and make it work. Um, But no, yeah, they've they've got no shortage of cash. And I guess they're I don't know why they would be making I don't know why they would make a website about their tuna. And I would think it would probably make more sense to just dust this whole thing under the rug. And let people forget about it, right. rather than bring attention to yourself. <laughs>
3: exactly. I mean, they so they they in this article that came out said that they swear that their their tuna is 100% wild wild caught cooked tuna, um, and that the DNA testing that they did, sometimes like the the actual like methods that they use aren't like super uh, accurate. So that I mean, it seems like they're just trying to go around in in a circle and never are going to be able to accomplish anything in terms of solving this issue, rather than Either get rid of the tuna, or just or just really just
0: buy real tuna. Yeah, no, you would think <laughs> that might be a logical option as far as all that's concerned. Um, I've been to Subway in what feels like years. So it's
3: actually funny. So over the, this past weekend, we I was like, we were uh, a couple of my friends were like, what do we let's get something launched like real quick, real fast, and one of my friends suggested Subway. Hmm. So I was like. I haven't had Subway in so long, and the fact that this whole thing is going on right now and you just suggested let's eat at Subway kind of was like a little red flag to me. I was like, there's got to be a better option than than hit Subway for- I have to uh,
0: hope he wasn't planning on getting tuna, for uh, what it's worth.
3: (laughs) I I don't think he was. Um, I've actually had their tuna before. How long ago? Years ago. Probably like five, six, seven years ago was the last time I had like a tuna sandwich from Subway. Tasted like tuna? It doesn't take. It's, like, the weirdest... Can- it's, like, a not even real tuna.
0: It's like, well, no, we know that to Well, be true. I... N- but,
3: like, the actual, like, texture itself, it's just, like, I don't know how so it's much... it's, like, menu. beyond
1: tuna.
0: <laughs> right, but... <laughs> probably paying a little less than that would cost, I would have to think.
1: Um, but, no... It's so plant-based
0: tuna. Uh, it's some sort of DNA in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: uh, it's gross. I I would never uh, want to have that. I mean, I'm not a big tuna guy my, myself, but...
0: Um, I can appreciate tuna. Like, tuna, tuna's as good as you dress it. Like, if you were... Right. A man who enjoys different flavors, cut up a little celery. I like to put a little bit of pickles in my tuna. But my, I like a more a more mustard than mayonnaise kind of base in the tuna itself. And, like, it's as good as I've you make I've never
1: eaten it. a tuna fish sandwich really? in my life. Yeah, really? There's something about I guess it was the smell of tuna.
0: I guess you're from yeah. not a fish guy. or Do you eat fish otherwise? I eat
1: fish otherwise,
0: yeah. What are the my fishes that you My big thing is like? chicken
1: salad. I, I make chicken a chicken salad yeah, like chi- you. I like to change
0: it yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. with what I put in Do you put in grapes it. in there?
1: No, I've never had grapes, but raisins, have... I've, had, I've put raisins in chicken.
0: Really I good. actually
3: had the other day, it was chicken salad with raisins, grapes, and almonds. And yeah, was, no, no, no. I like to good. do
0: the uh, walnut route, crush up a little bit of walnuts, have some grapes and throw it in your chicken salad. I really do think it elevates it to, I'm a, I'm a big savory and sweet guy. I mm-hmm. like to mix the two. And I think that uh, through my older years, I mean, chicken salad's hard to mess up. It's pretty delicious regardless. Yeah. But uh, I like to have a little bit of grape action in my chicken salad when I have it.
1: I am going to give people one little tip on cooking.
0: Okay. Seriously.
1: Crab cakes. Yeah. Do you know what makes, and salmon cakes.
0: Okay. The,
1: the key ingredient is horseradish. Mmm. I like horseradish. It radish. really gives it a zing. Yeah. Because I love crab cakes. Of and I love salmon cakes. Sure. But salmon cakes especially are a little bland, a little dry bland, sometimes bland also, Yeah. This really gives it a zing.
0: Interesting. I've never actually tried to make crab cakes due to the fact that crab meat's not exactly a cheap thing to procure. And if you're going to do it right, you need lump. Steal it. Steal it. There you go. Now we're talking. Stand the fan. Advising us to steal. Uh, No, but I've seen that, like, look, obviously we know what kind of monstrosities people make for crab cakes outside of the state of Maryland. But you have to very, like, gently form it with your hands and then just throw it in the broiler and then... Let the ingredients speak for themselves. But horseradish is an interesting touch. I actually would be intrigued to see how that would affect it. I, I'll take your word on that. I start
1: going. I deliver newspapers down to a sub shop sure. down in uh, Canton, and I always bought their their crab cake sub. Okay, and it's got this incredible taste. And the owner there said, "I'm going to give you the secret ingredient." And I started doing it. A couple times yeah. at home, it's fabulous. Interesting. And Very interesting. I'm not interesting. a guy that would normally eat horseradish.
0: Where's that coming from?
1: I'm trying to figure that out.
0: That sounds like it's you, Jack, or is it Stan? Uh, yeah, oh, oh, all right. Well, no worries. ESPN, they just always don't they? Suddenly, the video. Start you press video.
3: pause,
1: and the videos yeah. just
3: start playing.
0: So. Always love it. Yeah. All right, good stuff, Jack. Appreciate the insights as it comes to both uh, Space Jam tuna. And uh, what was the other one? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> Tom Brady. Monday morning. Good stuff. Thank you, sir. All right, we will continue on and get our winding down portion of the program as tidbit of the day, totally tubular, all that fun stuff. Stan, I know you love guessing the trivia that I have to offer whenever we do this portion of I'm the ready. program. I'm ready. Tidbit of the day. Is brought to you by Window Nation right now. Get 50% off all styles of windows. Plus, put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. Two years without having to pay a thing. Call 866-90NATION or visit Windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. So, the Orioles course, one, two of three against the Royals this weekend. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, that's up for you to decide. However, they won those games, and Matt Harvey pitched six scoreless innings. What if I were to tell you that before yesterday's game, Orioles starters had thrown fewer than six innings in 35 of the last 37 games? That's not ideal, unless it is, if you're trying to lose. But they had also thrown fewer than five innings in 14 of the previous 15 games before Matt Harvey's six-inning outing. Just to illustrate how paltry the Orioles' pitching has been since John Means' injury, that's about as bleak a picture as you can paint when it comes to throwing and starters. Mike Trout could be returning to the Angels' lineup soon. I saw a somewhat cryptic tweet that indicated he would be flying out to Oakland with the Angels, so perhaps his return could be sooner than later. Always a good thing when Mike Trout is healthy and playing he, baseball. He's been
1: sitting on the bench the, the okay. last week or ten All days. Right. Well, I've we'll hold out hope games, that
0: maybe he yeah. will uh, be entering the lineup sooner than later. He hasn't played, of course, since May. What if I were to tell you, despite being out for the past two months, That Mike Trout's five intentional walks this season are still more than three teams have, including the Orioles. Both the Mariners and Orioles have only been intentionally walked four times all this year, which is one fewer than Trout. And the White Sox have been intentionally walked the fewest of any club in baseball at two. So that's interesting. Padres All-Star Jake Cronenworth hit for the cycle in his first game out of the All-Star break, joining a uh, list of pretty impressive players, one of whom we are very fond of around these ways. Only Joe DiMaggio, that's not the one, and Brooks Robinson have hit for the cycle in the first game after an All-Star appearance before Cronenworth did so this season. So, stand the Fan, my trivia for you. Of course, Cedric Mullins enjoying a breakout campaign for the Baltimore Orioles. Which he,
1: what does he have
0: indeed he has 3.9 wins above replacement so far in 2021 that is the third highest of any american league player this season now i'll give you a hint and i'll tell you that the two players who rank higher than mullins are teammates can you name those two Teammates.
1: I'm trying to think of players on, uh, like, really great offensive
0: players on a team. One of these two is uh, threatening the Triple Crown this year. Wow. Threatening the Triple Crown.
1: You know, it's funny. I do these baseball power rankings and I focus on teams, but not players. Uh, are they both Astros? They are not Astros.
0: Then I don't know. They're a team that we are familiar with. Are they Boston Red Sox? They are not.
1: Oh, they're they're Toronto Blue
0: Jays. That it's got to be
1: Vladimir are. Guerrero and and either – it's got to be Bo Bichette, I'm guessing.
0: It is not Bo Bichette. Guerrero is the AL leader in wins above T- replacement Teoscar Hernandez? Teoscar is not the answer, but he is also an all-star, this player.
1: Okay. He's an all-star, and he's a teammate of Vladimir Guerrero's.
0: He is. I think this is his first season. With Randall Gritchick? No.
1: Who else is really good on that team?
0: He's hitting the hell out of the
1: ball. He's hitting the hell out of the ball. It's not George Springer. It is not. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on all their positions because they got Bo Bichette. Kevin Biggio's been hurt too much. Mm-hmm. Guerrero. Who's their DH? No. It's not a DH. He's an infielder. DH. Infielder infielder and he's is he their third baseman nope so he's their second baseman he is who is toronto's second baseman
0: that's what i'm asking you
1: i don't know who their second baseman is because i thought it was i thought it was biggio
0: the answer is none other then Marcus Simeon.
1: Oh, he's
0: on my fantasy
1: team. <laughs> Why am I drawing a blank on him? It's unbelievable that I not think
0: 4.4 wins above replacement I, for Simeon. I apologize. <laughs> hey, don't apologize okay. to me. You embarrassed yourself, Stan. I, I sure did. <laughs> no, he's having a hell of a season. He's on my fantasy team. He's playing he's very, a great year. very well very this well. year. Yep. Impressive for him as uh, he was once in Oakland, shortstop before moving over To second base and uh, hitting the hell out of the ball for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Tip of the day was also brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Tubular, totally tubular, is brought to you by the Pressbox Print Edition. Stan, the fan, would you mind telling these fine folks about the most recent edition of Pressbox? The latest edition of Pressbox
1: is available now on the cover. Thomas Kenzora profiles University of Maryland quarterback Talia Tungalavaloa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside. Bo Smolka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line. We meet the area's Olympic athletes and more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
0: Thank you, sir. Totally tubular tonight as far as. Marcus Simeon. Yeah, indeed. As far as sports are concerned, on Masson 2, you can catch the Orioles and Rays as they begin the series. Tonight at 7, you'll have Spencer Watkins taking the mound for the Orioles. It's been pretty impressive in the start of his major league career. And Ryan Yarbrough will be the starter for the Rays. On Masson, regular Masson, you have Marlins Nationals at 7 o'clock. Uh, ESPN has Cubs-Cardinals tonight at 8.15 as far as the rest of the baseball action. MLB Network will be simulcasting Twins-White Sox at 5, and then they will join up with Giants-Dodgers in progress later on. Uh, The basketball tournament continues on ESPN2 at 7 o'clock tonight, and then USA Network has WWE Raw at 8. As far as non-sports... You've got a couple shows on Fox, House Broken, Duncanville, 9, 930. Couldn't tell you a thing about them. American Ninja Warrior continues tonight on NBC at 8 o'clock. Uh, Fallon has Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Joshua Jackson, and Swedish House Mafia at 1135. Seth Meyers follows with Shailene Woodley, Henry Winkler. I believe they will be promoting Shailene her. Woodley is, uh, you know, whose uh, fiance Aaron Rodgers, indeed. Uh, Henry Winkler, I hope he's promoting season three of Barry, can't say for sure. Taku Hirano is the musical act at 12.35 on NBC. Colbert has Joy Reid and Alicia Cara at 11.35. And then TBS has American Dad at 10 o'clock. You can check that out if you are so inclined. Um, Finally, we cannot keep reminding you enough about the event going on at Jimmy's Seafood this Sunday, July 25th, as the likes of Tyus Bowser will be joining the fine folks at Jimmy's for a... Seafood Feast, and it's f- featuring the return or honoring the return to training camp with a crab feast. And also it features some Jimmy Seafood favorites, an open bar, and the pre-mentioned VIP meet and greet, all to benefit Casey Cares. By going to great 8 you can secure your tickets. That's the number 8, great8memorabilia.com. Well, that about does it for our show this morning. A thank you to uh, all of our guests. Thank you to Jim Callis. Thank you to Reed Trimble as well as Bo Smolka. If you missed any of that, you can find it all in the Greatest Hits section of the archives at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow, we will chat. We're supposed to chat with Jeremy Kahn today. He couldn't. We're going to chat with him tomorrow, catch up a little bit with our friend over there. Uh, we will also talk with Coppin State alum and uh, NBA TV sideline reporter Stephanie Reddy uh, as she will be discussing Game 6 of the NBA Finals as the Bucks look to close out on the Phoenix Suns tomorrow night. And the Suns hope to extend it back to 7 to return to Phoenix with a chance to secure their first ever nba title that to come tomorrow along with other things irons and fires stuff and things thank you to young jack thank you to stan the fan look forward to this week with you across from me and uh, one down three to go four to go you're not doing friday i'm not doing friday All right. i thought paul valley's doing you're friday. right about that yep. correct right you are uh, tomorrow we will see you, um, and thank you to all of you guys for listening. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at K Ottenheimer. Stand the Fan is at Stand the Fan. Makes sense. Uh, tomorrow- Tonight
1: I'll be having uh, Ross Grimsley and I at 6 o'clock on Facebook Live, and then tomorrow on PressBoxOnline.com, our guest will be Gary Kendall, the manager of the uh, Norfolk Tides.
0: No doubt. Look forward to that. Uh, that'll do it. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.